All right, guys, um, I'm currently in the process of organizing my 2018 seminar tour. Uh, this year, I am uh, going to be teaching the guillotine, which is one of my apps. Well, it is my favorite submission and one of my favorite positions in all of grappling. Um, I, I believe that the guillotine is really misunderstood. A lot of people think of it just as a submission and they think it's just about grabbing onto someone's neck and squeezing as hard as possible. And there may be some, you know, a little bit of that, but really it's a very, very technical position and uh, there's a lot of details and a lot of uh, concepts and stuff behind that. Uh, it's not just a sub. I use it as a position. You can control with it. You can transition. You can pass the guard. You can sweep. And, you know, obviously you can submit as well. And a lot of people think you can just submit from guard or turtle, but actually you can set it up from so many different positions. So it's incredibly versatile. Uh, it's a position that I've put a lot of thought into and analyzed a lot over the years. And I'm really looking forward to going around and being able to share, you know, all of my knowledge on that position uh, with, with everyone else. So, if you or anyone you know is interested in hosting me for one of uh, for one of these seminars, then feel free to contact me. You can email me at dan at raspberryape.com um, and see if we can arrange something. But enough of me saying it myself. Uh, today I am joined by John Hegan. Uh, John is a he's a former Marines commando. He's got four black belts or equivalent uh, in um, Tang Soo Do, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, Judo, and the equivalent in Krav Maga. And um, he worked in a uh, juvenile detention center for 14 years. So he was really having to apply uh, all of that martial arts knowledge in, in, in a real practical fashion uh, on a day-to-day -day basis so really really interesting story he has he's also very very old school jiu-jitsu he was doing uh bjj in the uk before there was bjj in the uk really he was out training with the gracies in the 90s so really really interesting story i had a great time chatting to him and i hope you guys enjoy listening check it out first john thank you very much for joining me really appreciate you Welcome. coming down um you have a very long resume of loads of different martial arts, but I wanted to start off, before you were in martial arts, you were in the military, correct? Uh, in Marines, yeah. In the Marines. Uh, do you want to tell us, kind of talk, talk us through that a little bit? Um, that like? That's pretty, that's some crazy shit. Yeah, yeah, it's a long, it's a long time ago. Um, it was sort of, I joined the cadets in 85. I'd watched, um, basically, I'd, I'd watch First Blood, I was, the movie. I was literally, when you said I've watched something, I was literally going to say it's Rambo, isn't it? And, <laughs> and I, I just thought, that's the guy. That's the guy I want to be. I want scars. I want some sort of mental disorder, like, you know. And uh, So I watched that and, um, I, yeah, everything was uh, revolved around being in the army. So I um, joined the cadets in, like, 85. Um, and that was it, really. Um, I didn't. I didn't join up as a, as a young kid. So I'd kind of hung around a little bit, um, and then I met our friend Marcus um, at, when I was doing Tang Sido. And I knew Marcus um, when I got to know him. He had been a serving marine as well, and so obviously I had a bit of a dead end job. wasn't really doing much, and I just figured, well. Um, Let's join the military. Why see not? what you know. And obviously, the Marines was uh, you know it's like an elite, and it's um, it's like the, it's, it's a thirty week training. It's yeah. the longest in the Western uh, in, in NATO. There's no longest little training really? course. Uh, I think the Paris do twenty two. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, we have like twenty six weeks of 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 basic training. Then you do your commando test at the end of that. Wow. 
So it's a pretty intense. Uh, and 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 that involves some pretty crazy stuff, eh? Thirty week is just insane. I mean, it's because I'm watching that. Uh, I don't know if you watch it. The SAS program. I I don't watch it. Really? It's it's um. It's bizarre. I mean, had I been 19 and that show was on, I wouldn't have missed an episode. And it's mm. one of them things, once you've kind of done it, and a lot of the stuff they do is, is all the, the same crap that we used to do, you know, uh, silly things. In fact, I just caught five minutes yesterday, and the guy that walks around, he says, right, I want, you know, uh, whatever your name is, to who's the weakest member of the team? Yeah. And... That's what they do. They're just doing stuff like that all there's the time. A, there's a lot of mind games. It's a lot of mind games, but the physical is just, it is just ridiculous. I mean, they say they get you to a, an Olympic level of fitness and it's not surprising. I mean, you are training five or six hours a day. You're getting, so not only do you do like the gym work um, for the first, I think, six weeks, you're just getting thrashed in the gym. Um I think, I think week 12, you start doing week 15. I think you do what they call the, the bottom field, which is your salt course and all those things. And you're just, it is just, it is relentless. And on top of that, you know, if you're out of camp, you're on exercise and you're getting thrashed there. So you're just getting thrashed really. And, then, and then that's the add on top of that is the sleep deprivation and the kind of yeah, mind you, games and stuff like that. You've got the mind games. You've got, I mean, some of it is not even like very well thought out. Um, all the corporals, if you, I mean, nowadays, I'm obviously I'm not sure how it how it works nowadays, but you know, there's no no corporals as far as I work. They don't do like a course on how to Sure. They just kind of remember how they're training. Yeah, was, you just yeah. make it up. And you know, you look back at some of the thrashings that we would get and the training team is just, just bored, basically. Yeah. So, you know, if you're if you're on camp, you know, you'll have um you know, they're they're overseen. So they can't get away they can only do certain things, you know, you can there's like an estuary next to the camp and that's where you do the mud run. So you'll go out there. So it's freezing cold mud. You roll around. You do it. You're out there for about an hour. And what they used to do would be, um, I think you're supposed to do one mud run. That was it. But obviously if the training team was bored, they'd send you out there again. Yeah. And obviously, but then that was kind of like, well, you can't keep doing that because it ruined all your kit. Because once mm. that kit gets dirty, that's it. But if you're out in the field they pretty much do what they want with you. Yeah. So some of the most, and again, you look back at it now with, with great fondness, but at the time it was, it was just, hell. it was just really yeah, ridiculous. And I was um, trying to write down a few sort of notes of, you know, of guys that was in my troop, you know, the most memorable thrashings. And, you know, we all come up with pretty much the same ones. And, um, you know, you just think, how, how did you do it? How did you sort of put, put up with it really? Yeah. And, um, so what yeah. what was your most memorable thrashing? There was a few good ones. I think the one we we talked about, we had... Um, so in Exeter, there's a big place called Woodbury, Woodbury Common, and it's famous for gorse bush, which is like little prickly. Yeah. So you always end up crawling through that at some point. Okay. And if you can imagine it, it's just, it's, um, you know, it's just horrible. Yeah. So one day, I think there was, we'd all failed an inspection. I mean, you can't, you know, no one ever passes an inspection, but obviously that morning we, we'd been partic particularly um, sloppy. So there's, um, I think there's like a tree. So this was in the summer. It would have been about sort of July times. It was very hot. And um, you have all your kit. You wear a, hel a helmet itself, just makes you sweat buckets. 
And all we had to do was really pretty simple. You just crawl through the gorse. I suppose about, I don't know, say about 80 metres away to a tree. So you went down a dip and you come up and you had to leopard crawl with your weapon. And I said, and that is it. That's, if you get to the tree, then you're all good. But if you get up and try and, you know, get on your, get on your feet to try and not mm. crawl, we'll pull you back. Yeah. So I thought, oh, this is, and you know, so what happened? We're all crawling down, and there's people getting up and trying to like sneak around. And obviously, the training team will just pick you and go back to the start again. I remember thinking, oh, sorry, I'm just gonna do what they asked me to do. Yeah. And um, I don't know, I remember looking back, and then I looked round. I mean, most of the troop was all back at the start. And I looked at the tree, there's about three guys that we'd all made it. So it took me about, I think, about 40 minutes to get there. So you're crawling it's for just 40, 40 minutes. just 40 minutes of straight crawling, crawling through like like belly, belly on the ground. Belly down yeah. through gorse bush. So your Jesus hands Christ. and everything. And it's your, your elbows. It's your elbows and knees. knees yeah. In commando training, you've got no knees and elbows pretty much left at the end of it. They're just kind of worn away. But then we watched the rest of the troop. I think we talked for two hours. Wow. They just went backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. They just forwards. couldn't stop themselves from getting up and trying the... I think so. Yeah. It got it got so... But obviously you get to a certain point, as I did, and I just looked. I thought, if I get pulled back now, then that's, that's it. Like, yeah. So I thought, well, I'll just, I'll just give it that little extra. Um, as, and as bad as it was. And yeah, we were just sat under a tree, you know, drinking a little bit of water and just watching this. So that was um, that was a particularly... You know, uh, memorable, but again, you you got because it's not even every every day in your thirty weeks there will be a thrashing of some. You know, you you failed at something, and um, what's yeah. the, what's the retention rate f- for the thirty weeks of training? You get so the first week is is induction. So that first two weeks is so I've done. I mean, I've been in the cadets for say five years. So I kind of know all the the sure. nonsense that was going to go with it, but I didn't think it would be as as bad as as, as of what it was. So you're getting up at say five o'clock, which is not right. It's not. It's early. Yes, it's early. That's <laughs> early, but you're not really getting to bed before midnight because yeah. once you've done all your fizz, you don't really get a chance to eat that well because you get like say half an hour, so you get to the you know the galley hall and eat. Then you've got to be forming up somewhere else. Then you'll have like classroom lectures then you have like pt then you have to wash and iron all your clothes for the next day mm. so that's why you're normally up at i think i got to bed at the latest is about one in the morning where you're just ironing yeah and you're, you know you're just really, really tired and that so that first two weeks a lot you lose i think we started off with 52 and we we lost quite a few in the first week maybe maybe eight or nine i wow. mean some guys arrive there in the morning and leave there in the evening in the afternoon really? just said, this is this is not for us yeah and they got a lot of credit really it's like again you're not wasting anyone's time you've realized even though you do the prc which is like the recruit course so you get a, a taste of the, the like the insanity of what you're going to be putting up with um and in that in between that you have uh, your first exercise which is called first step which they they sell to you as a very casual, easy, just a it's a camping trip, right? Yeah. You know, okay. it's that word. Like it's just a you know, it's just the first step. It's the first step. Can't be step. that bad. You won't even be carrying any weight. 
you walk out. In fact, I think you even get a lift to the, you know, but you'll walk back, you know, and it is, it's a, it's a walk. And, and again, we got, just got thrashed. And uh, I just remember thinking, so this was sort of February time. And it was quite a warm February, but we've been thrashed all morning. And then come night, all you have is like um, one water bottle, half the size of this. Yeah. But you're glugging it. And then anyway, I go, well, where do we get our resupply? Where do we get water? So the corpse come around. I said, what do you mean? Where's... That was it. You know, you're in survival operation yeah. now. There's no water. So, you know, guys are proper panicking because there's a difference between being thirsty, but I'll grab a bottle of water. And then, well, there is no water. Yeah. And um, that, that spooked a lot of people. That, you know, you're going to get thrashed. You're not going to have enough food and you're not going to get any water. And um, eventually, I think about 10 o'clock at night, the corporal come round with a big sort of jerry can. You know, he said, you're all bastards. You look at it. You're all hanging out for water. You've not thought of this through. He's throwing water at us and that. And we're all like, <laughs> uh, 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 and, and that again, that was enough for a lot of guys to think this, this maybe is not the life yeah. for me. Um, so, yeah. So in terms of retention rate, you get the option at week 13 to to leave but if you get to week 13 and you stay you're pretty much in unless you end up with a well you know you have a good cause to to leave so i don't know what the retention is it's it's not good they lose yeah. a lot and and for all those reasons it's yeah just i guess for, that, for you know that's the whole point of that brutal training is you want the absolute hardest fuckers that you can get going through to to join the yeah join the again it, it's it's I I couldn't tell you what the again so when most people sort of met me they say we well, don't back certainly back then you don't look like a marine they you would sort of sort of represent what the people you know short squat yeah. you're not short obviously but that sort of thick set um, and you know not a lot of eye contact going on. Was really your average marine is is not like that. A lot of marines are good, like good runners sure. and that. And it's you know, um, you know, just just guys that can carry weight. But it's more of that. Just stick whatever on me back, and I'll, I will get from A to B. Sure, you know, and just sort of do it really rather than anything else. So they want you know good guys that are just sort of physically tough, obviously, but you know mentally tough. Just yeah, to I, guess, sort of, I guess the endurance is so much more of a part of it than than. Uh, well, being a strong starter. Yeah, I mean, I I was not the fittest guy. I was probably, I got the third, you do a thing called USMC, United States Marine Corps Physical. It's like 60 press-ups, 85 set-ups in two minutes. You do like shuttle runs. It's it's a tough little test. I got third from bottom and when the corporal's, you know, he just said that, that is not good. Mm. <laughs> um, and that was all the gym work. And there was guys that were, Again, these guys are trained. They was they was so had, up for had, it. You know, had you done any sort of physical training? Were you into sports or anything, <sighs> or, or did you tang si though? Yeah, I was just doing lots of tang si how, how, how long were you doing that for at the time? I'd done that for about just under two years, okay. I think. Um, but it wasn't CV. It wasn't sure. running. It wasn't yeah. hard road work. It wasn't putting weight on your back yeah. and walking up and down hills, which these guys had done. So in the gym, I I suffered. You know. Um, but I would get through it, but we, I mean, you do um, a lot of rope climbing and I was hopeless at, really? I was just embarrassing. 
But rope climbing, if you do a lot of rope climbing for the grips and Yeah, that. it is very good. Oh, we used to have a, a, a rope hanging from the ceiling of the old gym, but we got a, we got a smaller ceiling now, so we don't have it anymore. But right. rope, rope climbing's great, yeah. I used to do a lot of it. But it's a technique thing, isn't it? There is some definitely some technique to it, yeah. I had no technique. Yeah, it, it, you know, if you're trying to train something in particular, then you kind of do different things. But if you're just trying to get up a rope, yeah. you've got to be smart with how you're using your legs Absolutely. and stuff like that. Absolutely, and I yeah. didn't use my legs. Yeah. I just couldn't... And it's one of them things. It's like a, like a lot of these... I mean, even down to sort of jiu-jitsu and that, you know, sometimes my technique is very poor for whatever reason. I just sort of struggle with these sort of uh, fundamentals, have done... Um, and I remember uh, one of the corporals of PTI, he just, I think he felt just sorry for me. And he just said, you, you're not using your legs. It's yeah. all arm strength. So I remember we would often do um, that first, it's, they call it Swedish PT, where everything is done by, you know, like the old 1940s where you're doing the star jumps, like all yeah. by numbers all. And then part of it, you do rope climbing. Yeah. And the, the thing is for your BFT, your battle fitness test, which is, week 15 16 or something like that you have to climb a rope with a weapon 22 pound of weight so you can't do that with arm strength that yeah. has to be and i just couldn't those you know so my arms we do um you do your your, your pt session i'd go into a lecture and for the first half hour of that lecture i just couldn't move yeah. my, my arms were throbbing it was absolute agony uh, and that was again so some of the little skinny guys, you know, they'd say to you, look, just use your legs, you've got to use your f- this and mm. that, pinch with the knees. Mm. No, not me. It was all, <laughs> so I probably got some good grips. What would, what would Rambo have done? <laughs> he wouldn't have used his legs, would he? Uh, he would have. <laughs> I don't know. I, I did think of that, but um, God knows. It, it was, it was, it was just tough. But yeah. again, it, 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 bizarrely, I was, a lot of the guys then, what happened, they they peaked. They'd done all their training pre-training. They obviously shone in the gym. Yeah. They burn out. But by the time they got to the bottom field, where you really don't need that, you just need good stamina. Yeah. So come about week 16, I, I was actually okay. And then certainly by the time I did the commando tests, which I'd really kind of thought I'd struggle with, I there was no... I was probably one of the fitter guys, really? which again, you would, I would not have said, yeah, I would, that would have been the case at the, um, you know, the early weeks. So what was we talking about? Just, no, I, was, <laughs> I was just talking we, about war stuff. We, cool. we zoned out, but, um, no, that's it. Yeah, no. did you, so did you get to do any cool Rambo shit? Training isn't really about enjoying soldiering, but when, when, when you, when you kind of passed, when and passed the out, yeah, we did some really good stuff. Um, we commando life is so I was in what they call a commando unit. You got three commando units. You got forty in Taunton, four two in Plymouth, and four five in Arbroath, Scotland. So if, as long as you're attached to those, you'll do the cool stuff. Um, if you're in a support unit, then you probably won't get to do those things. So again, you won't do any operational stuff so we went to i went to northern ireland for six months and we was in um what was we called um like an air support so basically you fly around in a helicopter and they pinpoint a place and you'd jump out of a helicopter on a on a rope um slide down 30 feet it's a good start it's a good start and you just think this is 
Fantastic. Yeah. Right. So if you, if there's a checkpoint, because obviously back then we was in sort of South Armagh, which was bandit country. You had the um, Cross McGlynn sniper. So that's a guy that um, had the Barrett 0.5. So this is the guy that was just basically shooting from a car. So he was, I forget how they fed. He was basically in a state car yeah. with a hole cut out in it. And he killed about seven, eight people with that. So he was just... C- civilians or... Uh, just soldiers. Just, soldiers. Yeah. So... Um, wow. So therefore, it was it was high risk to have like a roadblock where you just put guys there for seven or eight hours because he as soon as word got round, there's a, a unit there. He would jump in a car and if he'd be gone, and he'd be there, he could shoot and, and yeah, be gone. Okay. So our job was to um, yeah just sort of fly around. They'd say right, we're going to get this 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 car here, circle overhead. You and again, you know. I don't know what the health and safety um, legislation was, but you basically have a pair of like gardening gloves. Yeah. And you lean out the helicopter, you grab the rope. So even though it's it's hard to miss, sure. but you are 30 feet in a helicopter. So you're, so you're not attached at all. Not attached really? to anything. You just grab the thing. And obviously you've got, you've got your rifle, you'll have four magazines, which that weighs, that's quite yeah. a bit of weight. Any kit you've got, your little Bergen and that, your little backpack jump out you slide down and then you um you stop whatever vehicle wow so that was uh, again uh, cool that's one like way they that. get pulled over isn't it <laughs> well, we just, stopped just, they, just like 10 guys jumping out of a helicopter with rifles yeah um i mean yeah you you, you do that and again it's more as, as to keep a presence on the ground sure uh, but we did stop a guy i can't mention the name but he was a, a big cheese in that world wow and um we, we we'd known him so yeah, this is <clears throat> again if you if you put it in um, that sort of tier one guy is mm. a tier one guy. Mm. He was fine, you know. He was very cooperative. Just, yeah. just you know. I guess so, at that point, once you once you're caught, you're caught, right? Well, he hadn't done anything wrong. Okay. And the reason he was still able to, I think he'd actually been taken to court and walked walked free. Really. Again, uh, a smart guy. Yeah. He was. He was in the position that he was because he's a clever guy and yeah. he wouldn't do... Get his hands dirty. He himself. wouldn't get his hands dirty. He, yeah. he left that to some others. But um, so, yeah, we, we, we stopped him one day. Um, and, yeah, you just, you know, so you're always doing, like um, again, stuff that you're just not going to do in, in everyday life. Like by, by the time you get to, the, to, to that stage where you're doing operations and you're jumping out of helicopters yeah. and stuff like that, are you so into the soldier in life that actually that's almost become the norm or do you still think this is fucking badass as hell because you, you think like obviously if i jumped out of a helicopter tomorrow with a rifle on my back i'd feel like i was rambo you know by the time you've gone through 30 weeks of training and that's just part of your life and everyone else around you doing the same thing does that take a little bit of the you know do you just feel, oh well, i'm just doing my job or does it actually just feel awesome anyway it- it's like anything. If you've done it for um, for a while, yeah. So again, when we first so the when we, we got told we'd be this, um, I I just assumed that I would be um, on the ground doing the just doing the patrolling stuff, and they said no, you know you you're going to be with this 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 troop, and it wasn't like a like a specialist unit. What you had, you had specialist 
um, units out there. So the specialist units, you have a thing called a COT team. So that's your close observation team. So that would be part of our record troop. So record troop in your commando unit, that's a selection. You have to do a selection for that. So they get, they are going, you've gone up a level in coolness. Okay. So they're doing like um, observational houses. They're the guys that basically didn't have to wear uniform. Oh, really? They could have big sideburns. They could have a big tash. Sure. And they get to carry brown in high power pistols and that. And they could just jump in a car, just drive around. Yeah. We can do that. We're always going to be in uniform. But you look at those guys, you think that's, that's cooler than what I'm doing. Yeah, but yeah. I'm at least in a helicopter and I'm doing that. Yeah. Uh, so there's, some, le- there's levels of coolness basically. there's level of coolness then there was um, I won't mention the actual units but there was another unit and I, s- I spoke to one of the guys and he would be um, going out to the touts so he would go out in plain clothes to meet with informants and pay off the informants so then that's that's a little bit cooler than what the cot teams are doing because sure. you're kind of like you're face to face then above them, you've got there's a, there's a unit called 14 In, which is the 14th Intelligence Company. Now, they're the guys at the undercover. So normally that is a big deal selection. So to get into that, you've got to be, a, you know, you've got to be pretty switched on. Yeah. And they take from all units. And then only one above them is your SF, your Special Forces, your SAS and SBS. Yeah. And they're the guys that are going to be out there operational and shooting people if if need be they'll be laying ambushes and stuff like that so within your so we've placed at a place called uh, Besbrook Mill you don't really know who's walking around yeah. so obviously I know so you've got your kind of yeah, your, your ground troops which is pretty much like us um, but I was in a helicopter yeah then you see the cot teams who are out in the vehicles and you see the uh, the guys that are sort of meeting with the informants they're just doing whatever they're doing and then you've got the SF guys that you don't really know. They're just about. And again, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's cool. Um, but I remember, you know, some days you're in a helicopter for two hours. It's bloody boring. Yeah. You're just going round and round and round. The, work, the, the rotor blades like in your, in your head. And you're just desperate to, oh, just can we, you know, so it's like anything. It, it's great. And then it can be very, very boring. Sure. If, it's, if there's not much going on. <clears throat> yeah, it makes sense. And uh, so, how long? It's is it four years that you have? That you do I did that? just under six years. Okay, <clears throat> so um, not a long time. Yeah. So you there's do. A, there's a minimum, isn't there? You have to do four. Four. They've invested three, yeah. a lot of money in yeah. you, um, so they're not going to just let you go after. But you know, if you've done pretty much very few people do thirty weeks commando training, and then go, I don't want to do this. Yeah. You know, you've. You've got to put up with a to lot get, to get through those thirty weeks. You want to be in. Yeah, you want to be in. Commander. It's only after maybe after two or three years, and again, depends where you end up. Yeah, I was in a commando unit. There's lots of opportunities there to do fun stuff, and I was in a thing called support company. So support company, you have like a your, your recce troop, anti tank troop where you blow up tanks, mortar troop, um, and who else? Your assault engineers. And that's normally regarded as the kind of the older guys. Yeah. And it's it's basically it's a big bunch of kids. <laughs> you're just mucking about all day long. And if you're in that sort of environment, you you're quite happy. It is just you're twenty you're mid you guys in your mid twenties acting like six year olds at times. You got, you got the big boy toys. <laughs> got big boy toys, but you're just doing sh- 
stupid stuff, stuff that you would do at school. Yeah. But now you can do. So, I mean, I, I was just thinking these things. If you imagine, so a lot of guys, well, the class is living on board. See, again, it's if you talk about the BJJ lifestyle, <clears throat> in that sort of that marine, you live that because you're with these guys, not yeah. just in the chit, you're with them all day long. And then yeah. you might even share a room with them. So you just, again, you're just constantly doing things, to playing pranks, winding each other up, you know. So in, in um, when we was in Northern Ireland, we just, we was in like one big room. There's about 12 of us in 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 a room and there's a rat problem outside so guys would steal the the rat traps and put me in your bed <laughs> and so every night if you go to bed you check your beds yeah. you can just put your feet in there yeah and so everyone yeah you know, like you you get into bed at a similar time so you you you're under the sheet and if you had like a <laughs> everyone's like giggling like you know and then something like fuckers like you know and it's again if you imagine that is all day yeah you know, again sometimes to break the monotony yeah of course but um yeah just just stupid things like that and you can really get into that and that's why there's a good sort of uh, camaraderie there but mm. it's all based on being a child <laughs> a man child that's fair enough um so yeah sure okay so you came out of the out of the military and uh, when and you were still doing Tang Sudo when you came, I imagine you weren't doing it whilst you were serving. I I trained so really when I started in say eighty nine and I never really stopped training. So that for that that whilst I was in training, obviously there's nowhere to train. But I got um post four two in Plymouth and there was a guy, funny enough, that had moved from, from me down to Torquay and okay. opened a little club. So I could get out it's, it's like a forty minute drive, but I could keep a link there. Yeah. And then I'd come home at weekends. So whilst I was in the country, so I kept up. Okay. You know, so I got to, I, I think I took my black belt in 93. Um, so, yeah. And, and kind of, how would you best describe what Tang Sudo is? Because I'm pretty sure that my only understanding of Tang Sudo is uh, it's the martial art that one of the characters in Mortal Kombat was proficient in. That's about the extent of my Tang Sudo knowledge. Yeah, I can't much? even, and I can't even remember which one of the it was Chuck one of the, Norris. Chuck Norris did Tang Sudo. Was that his thing? That was his thing. Um, it's if you think of Taekwondo, it's very similar. It's it's virtual. I think the guy that um, created it was a Tang Sudo guy, uh, a, a Taekwondo guy. Um, it's all right. Yeah. It, it. I mean, I'm. I'm I'm very flexible, I think, you know, from the age and that. And that has come from all the high kicking and that. Sure. So in terms of a kicking art, if you want to get good at kicking, um, it's, it's okay. But obviously when I started, you started a martial art for self-defense. And the bizarre thing was, and, you know, we often talk about this, it was hard to see where the self-defense in it was because yeah. you're just kicking. <laughs> And you, you're walking up and down yeah. and you, you're making like high-pitched noises. Um, you do the hyung, which is like the forms. Okay. That's like a kata. Like a kata. Yeah. Um, and you don't quite know, why am I doing this? Um, you know, if you do it with all your enthusiasm. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I've seen some people do the katas and they're intense. It is intense. But again, it, I don't know. Um, but I was told... I told you if, you, if um, well, I think you, uh, my instructor said, you know, if uh, you know, a man that can do a good hyung, he can fight. And I still couldn't quite work out why that was. 
So you do all these bizarre moves. And you think, was like, a, so many people just, they, the instructor says that and they're like, cool, I'm in. <laughs> you know, they, they never question it. You don't question it. And you don't, I mean, I did it for eight years. I did mm. it for eight years. Yeah. And you know, by that time, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd been around the world. I'd, I'd got into, you know, a fair number of scrapes and that. I'd never really seen anywhere, anything where tanks that I would have been particularly useful. Sure. And one of the sort of reasons I, I'm knocked on the head, I saw uh, a guy, a very proficient guy, won a lot of competitions and that, um, outside the gym. He got into a fight with a guy that had done a little bit of Thai box and that. It didn't matter. He just got him in headlock and just punched his face in. Really? By the time I got over to him to kind of split it up, I mean, his face was bust open and that. I remember saying to the instructor, I said, I kind of, I was doing tanks with those and enjoy, but again, for the social aspect, I could really, I realised it's shortcomings. But I said to him, I said, Steve didn't do too well there. And funny enough, he had just won a competition that day. No way. Why did he put a downer on your competition? Eh? Well, he'd, he'd done the competition and again, it's a little bit of karma really. We was in, we was in the bar. And this guy, and he was a bit of a, you could just tell, let's say, a, a Tilbury, a Tilbury slag looking bloke. Yeah. But really minding his own business. And, and, and my guy, he's gone, look at him, look at him. And he, he had a few beers. And I remember saying, look, Steve, he's not done nothing. Just So anyway, he's, he's started something with him. The usual, very bad sort of like, you just pushed into me, mate. That, yeah. I could see it all going downhill. So anyway, they've gone outside and he started doing like, um, uh, Yup Chagi, front kick. He's going, hoot, hoot. And this guy's looking at him, not quite sure what to make of it, and just like launched himself, got him in headlock. <laughs> yeah. He must have just been. Just like a, like a bulldog chair, like a Just front, proper yeah. like. School, this, schoolyard headlock. Let's have it then, mate, you yeah. know. And he just pounded. Like, again, you don't need many hits to the face. To crack someone open, you You know. And like I say, by the time I got to him, he's he was in a right mess. So I brought him back in, and I remember his blood all down my hand. His nose had sort of split. So anyway, I don't know. A week after, I said to my instructor, "I said, Steve, it didn't didn't go well for him." I said, "We don't really do any stuff like that. Like getting out of a headlock." And in eight years, and by then I think I was a second degree black belt. So if you're a second degree black belt in a self defence art, you would expect to maybe allude to what you do in a headlock. Yeah. And he said, oh, a man grabbed me, I grabbed his balls. That was always the answer for that these. Yeah, I thought, oh. <laughs> So, yeah, back, back to that. So, I enjoyed the system. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, you know, I, I enjoyed it and that, but it really, there's, no, there's nothing there in terms of, you know, for the long term. Sure. In, in that. But a lot of people do it. It's, it's, it's again, it, it's what you enjoy doing. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess from then you were left with a, a bit of a void <laughs> in terms of you were certain, searching out something that would be a little bit more self-defense proficient. Well, that's where, so we'd always, um, say 89 has started, Roadhouse had been out. Okay. And he ripped a guy's throat out, if you remember that. <laughs> now, in the Hyung, in the Tang Sado Hyung, we've got that move in there. Yeah. So I thought that was covered. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and again, I think Seagal was, it's all about that time. So he's all looking for that. I, lo I love that all of the major decisions in your life are based around... Uh, Fantasy. Yeah, yeah. Or action movies, yeah. I love it. I love it. <clears throat> um, but again, that's all we had. Yeah. There was no reference. Not <clears throat> even CCTV. You couldn't really see sure. a real fight. It just yeah. didn't. You were in a real fight. 
Um, or you watched a film, or, or you saw one, but it was very you know you'd never see it on TV. Yeah. So yeah, that's all you have for reference, and um, and Jeff Thompson was just a, was coming out, sure, doing about the watch my back and that. So he was all like reading a bit of Jeff Thompson. He was in Combat Magazine, and, and not and again he was quite respectful of karate, but he just said you need you're going to need more than this. Sure, yeah, going to need a bit of judo. Boxing's a big help. And obviously on top of that, the whole psychological thing, which no one even suggested. Like the, the street smarts, you know, the, the, the just intelligence, knowing what to do. The Almost hates. like that. It's like that. Yeah. That, it's, it's like a fight IQ, but sort mm-hmm. of a life IQ and a street IQ. I, I, again, if you rewatch my back, it's, it's, it's again, a really, really good book. So, um, I mean, it's written for... For guys like us, you know, all right, we, we read it for, you know, it's good to you know, all the, the fights he's had, but there's there's elements in there of, you know, again, no one really knew what the fence was. You don't get taught the fence, you know. And that concept of, you know, um, you know, what happens to your body under them extreme pressures. Yeah. Why you do certain things, why, you, you know, and again, once, uh, once you read how he kind of like learned about it, learned to control it, and then you can imp- you could put that into whatever martial art you want to do. So that was yeah about sort of ninety one ninety two. Um, so we, again, you'd always have these conversations after class, and people would always justify the Tang Sido as yeah, but we've got this. If Patrick rips a guy's throat out, it's in Hume, but that's yeah. in a, that's in a Hume that you've not seen yet. You know, yeah. okay. And I even remember talking to like a fourth degree master, and he said, no, no. The stuff you're looking for, the kind of death touches and that, that, that comes later. And I remember thinking, yeah, but you're a fourth degree master and you're still looking for that, that nerve destruction thing yeah. again. So, yeah, the talk was about the reality of fighting, but we'll just stick with the marching up and down um, and, and loud sort of shrieking noises and that for, until something better comes along. Yeah. And obviously it did. In 1993, you saw... Yeah, so um, I, I just read um, in, in Fighting Arts International, which is not published anymore, really good magazine, very high-quality magazine, and all the, the top guys were right in there. And, yeah, there was a, an article about the UFC, uh, but uh, I think Tony Blau is quite a re- well-known reality-based guy. And <clears throat> he just did the whole... So I didn't have a clue who won or... Did, so I read the article as if it was happening uh, live. Oh, so so you read like the uh, the play by play? Yeah, so yeah. You, you didn't see the first UFC. I hadn't seen it, and you it was read like, the um, first UFC. Yeah. Wow, that's so interesting. It, isn't it, it said like so. So this this guy Gracie, he fights a boxer. Boxer's got a glove on. I'm thinking, well, he's going to knock him out because he's a skinny guy, and it, and it, you, know, you get to the end of it, he couldn't quite work out. He just sort of got him down. Yeah. He, well, that was like one of. That was such a pivotal moment in jiu-jitsu, wasn't it? Where, yeah. where Hoist Gracie takes this guy down, gets to mount, and the guy just taps. Yeah, <laughs> with a, with a glove on. Yeah, everyone, everyone's just like, okay. This is new, and what's going on here? Yeah. So, and then the other guys. I mean, there's all big dudes, and I remember like, and again, you're very on. You know, really, the biggest guy's going to win, and Hoist was the smallest guy in that, or Royce. That's yeah. yeah, it's Royce, Royce Gracie. Because you've only because you only read it. Yeah, I'm yeah. reading it, like you know, and um, yeah. So 
you just read it and then obviously he fights Shamrock and when I you look at Shamrock's CV I thought he's gonna obviously smash him and he, he chokes him but again I couldn't really work out how yeah. I assumed he must have sort of run around his back like jumped on like a piggyback yeah and then choked him like that um well that must be for for someone who for people watching UFC 1 watching the this thing unfold was confusing enough you know watching someone do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu when you've not experienced any Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was confusing enough let alone reading yeah. someone try to describe <clears throat> Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to someone who's never seen it before yeah. that must be just insane it, it was just very, very di- I mean you know, um, it was difficult for me to make sense of it yeah. and then obviously when it got to the final uh, and Gerard Gordo was I think he's six foot six oh, he's a huge man so that guy, super tough, and again he he he, he t- takes him down. And but again, I, I didn't couldn't really work out the whole taking down. I, again, I just assumed he must have put some sort of death choke on him that uh, <laughs> that, that we'd not seen before. So so that was it. And then um, I think UFC, as everyone says, UFC two came out on video. I think I was in HMV. And I was just sort of browsing and I just saw it. I thought, wow, I've got to watch that. And again, I didn't know who won. So I was watching UFC 2 for the first time. Um, Royce is there again. Royce is there again. Yeah. Um, Bill Wallace wasn't in the, because he did the commentary. Yeah. And he does that famous <laughs> yeah. start. It was a real sort of uh, badly put together show and that. Um and what, uh, yeah, so I was watching it again unfold, and I think he fights the karate guy. Yeah. And then he fights um, the uh, the big Dutch guy, and I thought, well, this guy is a big, big grappler, and he chokes him as well. And by yeah. then, I remember when I got to the end, I was, I was gutted, because I thought, I've wasted all these years of punching and kicking, and this guy just comes in and just taking people down and just just mashing them up really mm. so that was um yeah I was, I was actually quite sad at the end of it um and then i just realized that right i'm gonna have to do some sort of grappling yeah and then so kind of that that was 94 95 94 that must have been yeah uh, no the first year yeah so 94 when when you saw that second year of yeah so, so then, kind of what was your process from then there wasn't a judo school find a judo school yeah that's the closest that you could that's, come to realistic all there was that's yeah. all there was so, and i guess um, if you watch brazilian jiu-jitsu you go well that kind of looks like judo don't you I do. it, 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 yeah. it's the closest because it is the closest realistic I, I mean there was no google no so again you go to the yellow pages um, look for Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, don't find anything. That's it, look, so look for, for Royce Gracie. Yeah. Um, uh, so there was, yeah, I just, so there, I, I found a club in Dagenham, which is a BJA club. Um, so I thought I'd give that a crack. So I was training there when I was on leave, and I found a club in Plymouth. So there's a, a guy teaching, like a, again, a little church hall. So there's a BJC club, and there's a martial arts centre in Plymouth Town Centre um, and they did a mixed bag of everything. At the time, again, I think the guy had like, was like a judo brown belt. So I'd go to the village hall because that was a, oh yeah, it's like two quid or yeah. something like ridiculous. The uh, the place in Plymouth 
was was again that's about three quid I think and then on leave I'll go to the hall in Dagenham which was um so you you were still uh you were still, still serving okay yeah so I'd come back um you know on leave they I think it's like a Friday night sometimes so I'd come home on a Friday evening and I'd shoot down there perhaps and if I was on leave I think it's Tuesdays and Fridays they run the club yeah so it wasn't like a consistent because obviously I'm you're out of the country six months of the year yeah. anyway. But, um, yeah, so that was, and again, even then you just think, um, yeah, once a week, that'll do. That's mm. all you need. Mm. But, um, but I bought, I started buying a lot of videos and the first one I had was, um, Kazeka Muniz. So if you follow the, the, the first guys that are putting stuff out, Jeff Thompson had a few ground fighting stuff. Kazeka Muniz had, uh, he had trained with Rickson, I uh-huh. saw, the man. So yeah. I thought, this guy's got it all going on. Yeah. And, um, yeah, just sort of started buying that sort of thing. Again, there was no YouTube and that. I started buying some books. And so with that, a little bit of judo and that, you started to have some idea of ground fighting. Mm. Um, and then I think, so in 95, I come back from Northern Ireland. And um, my girlfriend, we went to New York, um, and I see Henzo had a had his place. Yes. So he had done that World Combat Championship. Yeah. <clears throat> so he was obviously a big deal. I'd yeah. seen that, and he had this gym. Um, so whilst he was out in a romantic uh, couple of days, I said, "We've got to go to this 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 Renzo guy." Yeah. Uh, I think I was pronouncing it correctly by then, actually. Okay. I think oh, I think it was a hen. You clocked by then. <clears throat> so um, I think I put this up on Facebook. I said, I'll... so New York's a big place. Yes. And I didn't really know where we was going. And obviously I'm putting my girlfriend, my poor suffering, long suffering, who's now my wife. Yeah. We're going all around New York and she's sick to death. Uh, we f- I finally find it. Going to this is uh, at the top floor of this, you know, it's not in the best part of New York. Yeah. I finally get, she is it, stays. Is it the same place where it's always been? I, it might be. It it's might in Manhattan. Be. Yeah. And it's, um, it, it, it's like in an office building almost. Must be, yeah. Yeah. I remember she said, I'm not going up. I'm sick of it. So I said, well, I'm, I'm going to go meet this guy. I can't train, obviously, but if I can just, I've, I've gone up these flights of stairs and the door, there's, it's locked. And there's a handwritten note on a bit of A4 torn paper in Biro, uh, shut for lunch, back at one, Henzo. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to go downstairs. She said, would you meet him? Oh, no. And it's shut. <laughs> He's out for lunch. So that was it. That was my... Um, so you never got, you never, you never never got met to him? met he, really? Henzo. But probably one of the first guys that, from the UK that at least tried to go and uh, meet him. <laughs> you know? so that's, that's the best I could do. And I've, I've not met him since. Really? That's pretty funny. So, um, eventually, you make your way out to uh, the Gracie Academy in Torrance. Yes. So, what year did you head out there? So, um, we was in this massive exercise in the States uh, called Purple Star, which is like a very well-known, back in the 90s, this huge exercise. And we was in North Carolina. And by then, I, I thought it'd be a great idea to visit... Um, Grace Academy, that really was the only place that everyone knew about. Yeah. So I remember calling them from a call box on some beach and I, I explained my situation. I said, What, you know, what, can I come out and visit? 
I was expecting Horian to pick the phone up, you know, and obviously he wasn't. Um, I said, can you send me any information, anything at all, just to, you know, I can look at. And they did. And they sent me uh, some photocopy pages and that. So, again, this is 96. And it arrived while I was still out and exercising. I think they arrived when I was in Belize. And there's a lot of information, about four or five pages worth. And I just remember I, I couldn't stop reading it. You know, like you just get that's the only it's link. It's like a brochure. Yeah. yeah. And I used to fan myself with it as well. Wow. I'd be looking at it. And I think all they had at the time, you could buy the three cassette tapes. Uh-huh. There was a CD-ROM. Uh, and I'd just keep looking at it. I didn't have a computer. I thought, wow, what, what, what must this CD-ROM contain? That must be all the secret stuff. Yeah. That. But they said to me, you can come, you can do like a, a 10 day course or yeah. a week course. So, um, okay, so that, I, I kind of bear that in mind. So, anyway, I think so in 97, <clears throat> every, every year you get a thing called adventure training where you basically go canoeing for a week. You can, but you can do what you want as long as you put forward what you want to do. It's adventurous, it's of use to the, to the Marines and that. So I thought I could go to the Grace Academy <clears throat> and what you have to do, you, you, you fill out a form, you go see the OC, he basically says, no, you can't do it, go canoeing. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> you just wanted everyone to go canoeing. Well, they, they you know, uh, they're not going to pay for it, but they may give you some assistance. Sure. So I went to see him and he, I, um, I've been trying to, to get unarmed combat I was trying to teach it. I was very into it. I put forward. We had a USMC captain. I'd even produced a brochure, got it all photographed, and that it was not very good. Um, but it was better than what was out there. And at yeah. least I was trying to do something. And so they knew I was legit. I was into it. And he, he somehow he passed it. He went, wow. yeah, okay. Now well, what you know, in in hindsight, what a great thing to allow someone in the military Absolutely, to go and do to yeah. go and learn the ground fighting from the graces well th- they didn't really know what I was going there for it's just jiu-jitsu I think my, my OC was a black belt in karate okay. so there was at least some sort connection of connection with that yeah you know and well, he, yeah. he said um, okay okay Marine Hegan you can uh, sounds but I need you know he wanted receipts and I said I can, yeah of course I'm going to get you all of that um, I could have just bullshit my way through because no one checked yeah. I could have just gone on holiday for um, so I was out there for so you get two weeks um, and I did so. Yeah, I went out there for for two weeks, mm-hmm. um, and that was it. That was yeah. the first time you went that out. Was the to, first time I went out. So one in the in Torrance, right? Yes. Yeah. So um, so what was that like? Rocking up to the Gracie Academy for the first time. That was really just again. Um, it's really amazing. So I stayed at um, there's like a it was a Japanese tourist hotel. So it's a a nicer place. The Torrance is a very mix. You've got a, a very badass part of town and not not so bad but literally as as one of the guys said you can walk a block that way and and you're in the wrong part of town really so i was um but again when you go out to these places you've probably done it yourself you, you, you're on your own it's very lonely yeah but i wasn't even in a place where anyone spoke english it's sure. all japanese really? so you just kind of oh, you know so i'd go out um yeah so that's where i ended up and it was a 20 minute walk to the academy so I forget what time I, I, I landed. I got myself settled. Then I thought, well, I'll go and go to the academy. 
So I got there, I sort of checked in, and, and even back then, very nice, very, very clean. And, and I said, is, is, is Hoyce teaching? I said, yeah, he's just upstairs. Wow. So I thought, well, can I go see him? I said, well, yeah, of course I can, like, you know. So I've gone upstairs as you go, you go up. And he's, um, so the top floor was huge, really big. Um, I've got some pictures of it. And Hoyce was just teaching, um, a, again, a secret technique. So I was looking at it. Again, I've never seen this before. You stand in guards, you put the collar into the throat, you split the guard, you sit back for the footlock. Okay. Footlock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they won't catch on. Yeah. <laughs> so he did that, and then he sat on the side. So obviously I'll, I'll just sort of walk in and he looks at it, just gives you a nod, you know, I nodded back and and that was it, I just watched the class. He was, he was a superstar, you know, obviously he still is, but he was a superstar in the martial arts world at that point because of you, because of UFC 1. Well, two. he was still teaching at the academy. Yeah. That was, again, which you don't, like, say today he's doesn't have a school, Yeah, just travels around, but back then he was teaching lots of classes, mm. so he would be in the, the academy all day if he wasn't yeah. teaching privates he'd do the group classes uh, for the intermediate and then you do the evening class and then that that would be it so again uh, um, and the thing with Hoyce at the end of the day so Horian obviously run the school Hoyce would be in the he'd be hoovering yeah and he's like a fourth degree black belt wow. in there with a hoover <laughs> so obviously everyone was there like mopping up and that um so even that, you kind of think, well, that's kind of humble guy. He doesn't eat, you know, but he, he'd be in there. So that was it. But I wasn't allowed to do the intermediate class. I had to do the beginner class, which I thought was a bit kind of demeaning. I was a green belt in judo. Okay. Um, so you had a bit of niwaza anyway? I had some pretty good ground skills. Um, I said, I think, can I do the intermediate class? And she said, well, for sure. Um and I, obviously, I couldn't wait to roll. I was super excited. And um, I did the class. I can't remember what it was taught. Now, Hoist wasn't teaching. Kaiki was teaching at that class. So Kaiki was a third degree Hickson guy. Super cool. The, 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 again, a, a, te- a proper t- Brazilian teacher. Yeah. Always late for class. Yeah. Late to finish. Yeah. Yes, yes, guys. That, <laughs> very funny. Um, and he got some one stripe blue belt to pass my guards yeah and he did a stacking guard pass and I thought he said what a sucker I'm going to triangle him because I I could do good triangles on judo guys yeah didn't know what triangle was and he stacked me up and I thought this feels uncomfortable and he's stacking and stacking and I felt my neck go like (laughs) I thought it's a huge rush of really so I let something, him pass. popped in there? Something popped. Really? I'd only been, that was my first class. First roll? First roll. Oh my God. I'm thinking, you know, like when you get that pain, you're sort of shaking with the, Yeah. I said to Kaiki, oh, I'll sit this next one out. And I'm sat on the side. I thought, I, I've proper done something here. They think, you know, the, the staff are probably thinking, he should have stayed in the what beginner's class. <laughs> what a fool. <laughs> so I'm like, I went back to the hotel room. And I was in a state, I knew I'd hurt my neck. I thought, oh, I've flown 3,000 miles, I've bought this ticket, yeah. I've paid for 10 days in advance, and I don't think I can train. <laughs> um, so I think the next two days, I just I went and watched yeah. the class, and I 
bought them deep heat. Anyway, then, then I think I was okay after that. And I, but then I put myself in the beginner's class. <laughs> For me once, shame on you. <laughs> so, um, but obviously that's the best thing. So, but even then, I was, um, you're so new to jiu-jitsu. You don't have an, a clue about the hierarchy. Yeah. I wanted to train with, I won't train with horse. Well, at least I'll train with Kaiki. But the beginner's class is taught by blue belts. Yeah. And um, so we had a guy called Mark Bowmeister. And he was a big guy, really nice guy in that. But again, to be honest, I'm paying good money to be taught by a three-stripe blue belt. Um, but he did a fantastic class, really good, really nice guy. But again, you're desperate to roll with the with the instructor. Yeah. So I thought, <clears throat> obviously, the, the, the guy that stacked me, he just kind of got lucky in that. Um, <laughs> and I don't think, did, did he roll? Didn't roll too much, Mark. Um, but what you do every class it's 40 minute class in 20 minutes of sparring and I would sort of fight to the death with another white belt and did okay again just very haphazard so I had my eye on Mark <laughs> so anyway he he pulls me for a roll and I thought yeah, see how this this and I don't know what happened but I'm in the mount okay and I thought it's a pretty good mount I can't do anything oh wait so, he he's on top of you he's on top of me okay right? okay and you get that, I'm fighting to the death. I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bust out of here eventually. And I, <laughs> I looked up to see what he was doing, if he was hanging on for dear life. And he was teaching the guys next to me, like, and he, he didn't, he wasn't, I'm thinking, what, for real? That was straight up mind games there. He was just, straight I don't know, just, uh, yeah, to move. And he looked at me, he goes, you, you okay? Not, but again, not being cocky, yeah. just wanting to make sure it's yeah. all good and that. I thought, yeah, there's... Because again, I still didn't believe, I didn't believe in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. It was still kind of like, um, I should be able to pull something off here. So, and I'm, I am the type of guy, I'm going to need 10 lessons before. It sinks in. It sinks in. So that, I'd had the, the stack in, I'd had Mark uh, rough me up. So <clears throat> probably a few other things, but then, um, so this is the first time I was out there. Grandmaster Helio Gracie. Wow. He's in the building. Now, did you know who he was beforehand? I knew of him, but obviously his legacy was not what it is today. Sure. He was just Horace's dad. Yeah. He's Horian's dad. He's the guy that kind of made all this possible. Yeah. But, he, but at that time, the whole thing wasn't anywhere near as big as it is now. No. You know? so it's no. Just, yeah. It was taking off. Yeah. The academy was busy. Um, and... You know, the the instructor course that was running was like a year-long instructor course and guys yeah. had come from all over the States to do it. So it was it was going to grow. That was Horian's plan, that these guys would do the instructor course. They would then go back and start schools. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the Grandmaster comes out, just wearing like a shirt, trousers. Uh, I said, oh, good morning, sir. And he doesn't speak. He just said, good morning. That was it. Yeah. Uh, and then later, I'm in the changing rooms. He's putting towels away, just making sure the uh, the quarters are wow. <clears throat> nice and tidy. Um, and, and that was it. So we did a couple of classes. And then one day, he took the class. So I've got a class with Helio Gracie. So he comes in, and I think, I think I'd done probably five or six classes with Intermediate. And then Mark said, no, if, you, if you're only here for another week, do uh, do the advance, uh, not the advance, do the intermediate. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, he come in, Kayuki translated. And um, again, you wasn't it as in awe, but he just thought this is incredible. He's 83 and he just did a class that he'd obviously taught for like the last 60 years. Yeah. And he must have been Mount, Mount Survival. Um, I remember he would always show the cross choke from Mount would always be the, that, that technique that he would show even when he was in his 90s. He had these big, thick wrists yeah, and hands yeah. and he... And he just and any reporter that wanted to know what jiu-jitsu was about, <laughs> Ellie would just chuck on a cross choke on him. Well, he, I can't, well he's just uh, that aside. He's a small guy, yeah. a ridiculously small guy, and frail and eighty-three. So he'd done the class, and it was all defense. It's all defense, defense. And then um, at the end, he and again, I wasn't aware of anything about you know, his party trick is get the biggest guy out to choke him. So I'm not the biggest guy, but I was the biggest guy in the class that day. Okay. So he pulls me out and Kaiki says, all you got to do is um, choke uh, Grandmaster Helio. He said, bear in mind he's seven stone, whatever it is in pounds. He's 83. Um, shouldn't be a big deal. I said, okay. <clears throat> so I'm nice. I put my choke in. So I can cross choke for sure. And he's pull guard I thought that's pretty good I didn't really feel or see what you did so, so were you were you, got, were you rolling no I was just mounted okay. so we start I'm in the mount I've got a tight mount and then right hand in the collar so I'm waiting to stick my left hand in but yeah. he's in guard wow so I thought that's not bad <clears throat> so the second time I thought I'd go a little bit harder now because and I've I've tried to force it in and he's bridge and rolled me so I'm thinking that's that's pretty good, and I could tell he. I think he had the ump. I'm not trying hard enough. He wanted me to smash it in. Yeah. So the third time, I've gone for it. I thought I'm gonna let the get, let the old guy have it, you know. And I was back in guard. Mm. So without all the kind of, I understand he's the grandmaster and all the things that goes with it. But I thought that is pretty impressive. Yeah. Um. You know, I was a 25. I'm a fit guy. I'm. Know, strong in that and I can't even maintain this position and you're thinking you know you're <clears throat> you're, you're in the you know you're a commando and you've done martial arts for yeah. a while you've done your judo you're 25 year olds you're in good shape I should be able to choke a seven stone 83 year old man at least that should that should not be an issue at me. least hold the position <laughs> for god's sake like you know and uh and that was it I'm still not convinced I'm still, but I knew there's. I'm thinking well, there's definitely something here. There's still something here. So it seems a long way to get there. But um, then another day, I think the first day, I think Hoist took the class. We did bits and pieces, and and Hoist would roll every class. So I'm in his guard, <clears throat> and I'm holding on tight, scissor legs. He said, "Man, you got strong legs." So I thought, oh, okay, <laughs> a bit of respect at last. Then he stands up, and again, before you know it, he's, he's, passed. he's passed. Not strong enough. So, the last, the last, and again, it's, it, it's funny, there's a spa class, everyone's there, and I see this very young lad, and he folds up his blue belt. So the blue belt's kind of small guy. Yeah. I thought that looked pretty good. I didn't pick to go with him, we just got paired up, and um, he, he, went, he went in hard, 
and I went hard as well and we both at it and eventually I get mounted on him and I probably put in the worst choke that is a proper bar choke grinding it in yeah. just and eventually the lads tapped I said uh, I see you're pretty good I said how old are you he said I'm 12 <laughs> <laughs> was that, please tell me that was the first submission that you got whilst you're out there um I, I can't remember. But I'd, I just, love, I'd love it if you left your first two <laughs> your t- first two weeks stay at the Gracie Academy. It, it probably was. Like, so did you did you tap anyone? Uh, yeah, you could say that. <laughs> and it's just that some twelve year old kid. <clears throat> I said that's good. Yeah, and I, and then that was it. I thought there's something to this. It, it is de- you know it's taken me some 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 real sort of humbling experiences. But when he when he said I'm twelve, he's a yellow belt. <laughs> yeah. And like, uh, was it was it anyone of significance or was it just a, no just you know, obviously a talented kid and that yeah. but again even well, it wasn't then, like Crown Gracie or something no 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 yeah. well again um, Henna was an orange belt I saw Hiron as an orange belt uh, and Hiron was a green belt yeah but even then I was so Hiron was taller than me he was like six foot two yeah like a fifteen so that was I went out in February ninety seven I went back out. I think when I got there, Hen was in a blue belt. Uh, I think there's both blue belts. But yeah, the kid was just, um, had probably been doing jiu-jitsu by, you know, like five or six years. So yeah. he had all the moves, but just, you know, I was physically a lot bigger and stronger, but to, to really make me work so hard and that. And, and 12 to, years old, to, yeah. To, you know, you just think, yeah, it's definitely, um, it's, 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 there's something to, uh, to, to, to learn here. So, so that, that was my first experience. And yeah, it was a good one. It's good. A very and again humbling and what 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 you needed. So then you began going back to <clears throat> Torrance Academy every year. Um, I tried. I went. I think I did twice in the first year. I went once the year after. Was that on leave or was that as part of these? Adventure? I'd left by then. I'd left okay. the call. Okay. So the second time I went out, I was I was um, yeah I was out the call. So yeah, I'd just go for like say ten days at a time, uh, but again with no real purpose in there was no still no one was teaching i met mark walder out there the second time and he was doing instructor course he did the the year-long instructor yeah. Course, didn't he? yeah so i didn't meet him out in the first i don't think he'd ever been out there for a, a visit um but i didn't meet him till the second time i've been out but for sure i asked how many other guys have been out here from the uk and the, the the lady said, "There's three. You'll be the second. Uh, you'll be the third. So I don't know who the other two was. I'm sure one would have been Mark. Yeah. And I, I, th- I think there's a guy, Colin Robinson. Yeah. I think um, I think I think Mark mentioned someone else. Yeah. On the, on, on the podcast, that I didn't right. remember. So I can't remember who it was. So. But um, yeah. Um, so that, that that was it. So, it was, so you met Mark out there. Yeah. And so then when you came back to the UK, you started training with Mark? He hadn't had a class. He didn't have a class out there. He had the first... He started teaching in Canning Town at Swimming Pool, which was about 12 mats he put down. And there would be about four or five of us. <clears throat> and so I was a blue belt one stripe, I think, by then. Uh, and Marcus would come. There's another guy called Simon Yo, who's quite well known. Yep. Um, ninjutsu. In ninjutsu. I'm going to have Simon on. He is the nicest guy. Yeah. He is definitely the nicest guy. <clears throat> um, 
and I'd never met him before, and he yeah. turned up with a blue belt. I thought, all right, what's what's the score here then? Yeah. And um, yeah, you've, you've only got to talk to him for a few minutes. He's a very humble guy, and he, yeah. he humbly said, um, "I'm only a blue belt, but I'm I'm an eighth dan in ninjutsu." Yeah. I was like, "What?" Because <laughs> I know, I know, he's only thirty eight at the time. Yeah. So um, yeah, we all just sort of got together, and and that would be it, really. So Mark would teach. I think Mark was a three stripe blue. Um, but again, very, very good. Um, yeah, so that was it. But up until then, yeah, there was no, no one teaching. Mm. So I was just doing judo, doing judo. And trying to utilize some of the... Yeah. I, I guess that was the same thing that Mark was doing as well before he started teaching. You know, he would he would go out to Gracie Academy, learn, pick some stuff up, watch yeah. some, some VHSs, and then try and do those moves in the Niwaza section of your judo classes. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that, that, that's it. And... Again, the, the traditional jiu-jitsu is not overly complicated, you know. It's just been good at... Traditional know. Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know... Again, it is. It's, it's, it's nothing like it is now. No, no. Yeah, and again, back then it's very structured. So you just do pass the guard. They say pass the guard. Um, you know, um, how to get the mount. You know, how to maintain the mount. Bomb. Sparring. Yeah. You know. Then afterwards you would... Um, again, you know that that was it. So there was that thing about you know Grace is keeping the secrets, and because a, a lot of the classes would be privates, and you would just be picking guys' brains for, you know. So a guy would would literally, he'd have a private, he'd come into the changing room, and you'd just say, "How was the private, man? Oh, it's awesome. What, what did you do? Yeah, it's coming to the battle. I'll show you." You know, like, okay, cheers. And, um, so you pick up, and obviously that's how it kind of filtered through. The academy. Um, so you still do the very basic stuff. Kaiki might do something a little bit different, uh, but not nothing radically different. You do a little bit of self-defense. Um, yeah. So, okay. So were they teaching the self-defense stuff in the Torrance Academy? Yes and, and no. Um, it, it would just be part of the class. So you might do a little bit of stand. Okay, we're going to go against the wall. Guy grabs you against the wall and you defend from there. Um, but I guess at that point you were kind of there's no separation between the two right I was just so grateful I loved the self-defense I would look forward to the self-defense only because my knees were in such a shocking state <laughs> I'd do anything to stand up just just, just in general from the wear yeah because again my knees were not used to being you're doing on those um, 10 days you're doing 4 hours a day so you're on your knees with no sure. knee pads, with the abrasive, you know, and it's just, and that and no ear guards. So you've got that, your ears are like radioactive. Yeah. You didn't want anyone touching your ears, let alone have a gear rubbing on it. So if we did the self-defense, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, thank God for that. You've got a break. Yeah. But I wouldn't really take it in as a, again, because, you know, this guy grabs you at the throat, because you're going to punch him in the face. You're not yeah. going to perhaps do what, what they're going to do so it was certainly part but not sure no no real uh time would be spent breaking it down um okay so then we go back to the uk now and you're training with mark and then <laughs> mauricio is the first uh brazilian that you experienced training with in the uk or were you training with chen beforehand right, chen the infamous chen yeah I was, um, we would go to, to the Tokai Centre. Uh-huh. So I got there with Marcus. 
So the Takai Centre was run by... So they had a wrestling class, I think, at 11 o'clock. And the jiu-jitsu was at 10. So I never met Chen. But he had a brown belt guy called Ed teach him. So Chen was in another part, I think. It was the Buddha Choir. Mm. Um, so Chen, again... I don't know what people's... No one really knew where he'd come from. Yeah. And there's always a bit of a question mark about the lineage and, and that. There was no clear... But he was all we had. And and he was... Yeah, and I remember Marcus, he showed me his gi. And he had the anaconda patch. And he handed me the gi like it's some sacred yeah. artefact. He said, look at this. That, that's that's really nice, yeah. you know. But I never get to I never got to sort um, train with him. But Ed was running this class, so Ed was a brown belt, was Brazilian, and he was good. But I rolled with him, and obviously, if you rolled at the Gracie Academy, even with the two stripe blue belts, you're in for the fight of your life. And I never really got that with him, so I couldn't really. I couldn't say now again. It's very difficult. He might be nice to me. It could be all these things. Sure. But it would be difficult to say um, what level he was at. Yeah. And then what happened? Some of the guys that were training with Chen, like the infamous, they'll come in with like an orange belt with the stripes. Yeah. Like, mate, what's what's that all about? Like, you know. And they said, well, that's how we do things now. Yeah, of course, because you knew the belt system from training at, in Torrance. Yeah, where there was there was wasn't even stripes in the white belt. Yeah. You went from white belt to blue belt. Yeah. That was it. So to see. Orange and yellow. And, and they had orange. tags on the... And tags. Yeah. And I think uh, Dickie Martin, he, he said, you know, and again, maybe he just took the market for what it was. If there's no one else doing it... Yeah. You're going to maybe do things in a in a different way. Yeah. So that's what he did. Um, but then a guy... Do you know what his theory was behind the... <laughs> Because they were kids' belts, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what the theory was behind that? Was it just... Because um, there are some places that still do kids' grades for adults now. Right. Uh, so the one that I know of the most is like American Top Team. Right. They have green belts for adults. Okay. And it's basically a, a intermediate belt between white and blue. So they have the standard jiu-jitsu belts, white, blue, uh, white, blue, purple, brown, black, but they have the green in between the white and the blue. And I guess it's just because... You know, obviously, stripes were brought in because it takes so long to progress yeah. through the belts that there's a <clears throat> issue of student potential issue of student retention. Yeah, obviously, you shouldn't be training. You know, the whole point of doing jiu-jitsu isn't to get the next belt, and you should be patient enough. And it's not about that. But I guess from maybe just as a business standpoint, mm-hmm. just of having a retention of students, um, you wanted something that was gonna keep them encouraged you know oh you're not gonna have to wait a year and a half yeah. to get a belt you're actually you know so that's where the stripes come in in between the belts but they brought in a whole belt they had the green belt so was chen's uh yellow and orange belt sort of the same sort of theory i don't know i mean a guy said to me it's 50 pound a stripe <clears throat> okay so wait which would suggest okay i <laughs> sure okay, okay. Uh, so you had the pay for a stripe that's what i got told that's what, so again, that's why it's like, wow, that's, um, so by the time you got to blue belt. So, so the belt system was a white belt, four stripes. I don't know about white, 
it might be white to yellow, but then there's definitely stripes. So white, no, so no stripes on your white, then you're yellow, then four stripes, then you're orange. Yeah, four then stripes. Then four stripes, then you're blue. No, then you're green. Oh, get the fuck out. Then you're green, yeah, then, then four green. stripes, then you're blue? Yeah. Holy shit. So I may have added a belt. Certainly, I remember a guy coming in. So uh, you're, you're talking about, are you paying for belts as well? I don't know, but that's what the guy said. He said, oh, it's £50 pound a stripe. So here's a green belt, four stripe, but he was waiting for the blue. He's waiting for the blue belt. And he, he's 600 quid down at this point, just on stripes. Probably, yeah, but again, he goes, if, if there's nothing else, there's no, nothing to compare it. Well, yeah, you just think that that's normal. Yeah, yeah, why wouldn't you? Now, I, I said, well, so I got my blue belt from Hoist at the academy on the second time out there. But even back then... If you bought the three, the four set tape and did 20 classes, you was up for a blue belt, which... 20 again, classes at the Torrance yeah, Academy. Yeah. yeah. Which again, if you, if you say it quickly, that doesn't sound an awful lot, does it? It, it doesn't, no. Um, so I've got my... But again, you know, if you say, well, what's the investment there? I said, well, I've been to America twice, plus I've done all the lessons done there and that. But you know, in theory... What did I know? I didn't really know that much. Yeah. All I all I'd done, obviously, horse sees you roll and that, and I wasn't, I wasn't say technically good, but I wasn't getting caught. And even if that meant just kind of curling up in a ball and just fighting for your life, well, yeah. you're not getting caught, and that's pretty much what they want to see. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but but obviously over here, it's very different because there's not going to be the same amount of skilled people. So obviously, I'm rolling with blue belts at the Torrance Academy, which are going to be good. Um, and again, just surviving. Um, whereas here, so I, I don't even know if he did a grading, a formal type grading, but Chen. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But but um, so not long after. So yeah, that would have been. I think I read an article. Mauricio was here in '97 up in that custard factory. Yeah. And he, I think he came down to visit, and he he popped in to see. Chen, yeah, which apparently was a famous episode, yeah. <clears throat> and again, I, I think that is when he probably decided maybe if this guy Mauricio is going to hang about, there's not going to be, you know, he's obviously the real, <laughs> the real deal. Yeah. Um, but so I think he must have gone and Ed, Ed, Ed stuck around for a little bit, and then by that time, I think then Mark had come back opened up in Canning Town and then that was it then I went to train with Mark so <clears throat> I'm trying to think when Mauricio went down to the Buddha Choir and started teaching there so he was certainly up north for quite a while yes and then I went over there once so he was teaching in King's Cross so when Hodger was here I went over to King's Cross and Mauricio wasn't there Roger was so what was belt was he at the time? Blue. Okay. But I didn't know what the belt was because his belt was wrapped up with duct tape. Okay. I couldn't quite... W- so like the, the, the tab at the end? Yeah, it's just great. It's just all duct tape on it. Oh, there's duct tape along the whole belt? Yeah. So it's like, well, what belt is that? Okay. And um, I remember he was wearing like a blue KF fighter kimono. Yeah. Super cool. And uh, I thought, I've got to get one of them. I was heavily into geese. Simon Yo. It would always come in the most expensive gi. <laughs> he had a kickskin gi, which was, oh, you, know, a, you know, really nice. And yeah. so Roger had this KF one. 
And again, I've been on myself, I thought, he's 16, what's, what's going on here? Like, Did you know that he was Mauricio's yeah. son? Yeah. Um, you, you knew he was a Gracie. You yeah. Knew he was a Gracie, yeah. Um, quite a big class, but maybe 20. Yeah. And I'd rolled with a white belt prior to, as you do, got there early, and this guy... You see me with a blue belt, one stripe, Gracie Academy patch. And um, I don't know, he got my back. I let him get my back and he, he thought he was going to get lucky. And at the end of it, it was all kind of cocky and that. But I thought, oh, do you know what? This, it seems like the standard's good here, even yeah. though he's not been here a long time. And then we, um, Roger did the class. And again, it's like the guy that's been teaching for 20 years. Very cool. Just this, didn't do much. This helicopter arm bar, I think we was doing. Yeah. And um, nice and simple then. Nice and simple. We did some rolling, and I think there's that guy people talk about, Asif. Yeah. So he was a blue belt, and I kind of knew of him. Um, I rolled with him, and I wasn't, I wasn't sort of not quite sure where the role was going to go, sort of thing. I remember him armbarring me really quick. I thought I can't believe that. Yeah, Asif was a stud. But he still is. But he did that kind of thing where, you know, not really sort of paying attention and catches you. So I thought, all right. And then then the role finished. I thought, I've got got to come back there, but didn't didn't get the chance. But you could tell, very good. So he had been with Mauricio. He obviously been training for a little while. Yeah. So that was my meeting Asif. And then Roger pulls me for a a role. You were a blue belt at the time. Yeah, one stripe. I'm serious okay and uh i thought he's obviously gonna the experience i had with the 12 year old put me straight but i thought i'm a little bit more wiser than that let's just see if he can catch me and if i can do anything to him and like, you know at this point it, it's so bizarre to think this now knowing who roger would then become but he wasn't a big name. He wasn't, he's a 16 year old blue belt. He hadn't won any world lanky, really. a lanky yeah, kid. Yeah. Um, so you don't really, you don't really expect anything. Do you? No, yeah. no. And he just humiliated me. Like, you know, <laughs> he, and again, so casually, I can't, I tried to, and again, I remember thinking even back then, don't go nuts. Try and see what he does and how he does it. And that's the thing I've always tried to do. If you, if you know, you're going to go with some goods, uh, concentrate and just see where it ends up. So he caught me already with um, a couple of things, and then he he got knee on belly. So I'm defending. And I thought there's no way I'm going to tap to this, and I was waiting really to see what he did from there. Yeah. And then he every time I breathed in, he just got a little bit tighter. Yeah. And I thought, no, no, he's got you got nothing here, son. He got a bit tighter. And then after about the third one, I thought, I'm going to black out. <laughs> I can't breathe. And I tapped. And I said, what What was that? Mm. And he said, oh, I just pulled you in tight. And, you know, and that was it. And um, so you knew he was... Legit. Legit. But again, that was it, really. I didn't see him again till. So he gave me my purple belt in 2004. And that was the next time I saw him. Mauricio did? Mauricio did. I was at the the place I was at Kensal Road or somewhere. Yeah. Roger put the belt on. Uh, 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 your belt, okay. Yeah, Mauricio was there, um, and he was obviously a different. He was six five. 
huge by that time, like a very different lad yeah. to the, the the lad I'd rolled with. How old was he at that point? <clears throat> you know? Sixteen, I think. Uh, when 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 he graded you, uh, he would have been a black belt. Okay, yeah, okay. two thousand four. So, okay, that was a while. So he was now yeah. then. He he was Roger. He Gracie, was Roger Gracie, Gracie right, at yeah. that point. Yeah, he was Roger Gracie. Then he was Roger Gracie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um I've uh, uh I've got a story that I have to ask you about which is uh, about you upsetting Mauricio. <laughs> <laughs> Martin Martin and uh, uh Ali's train you in it. Um I'll try and give you the abridged version. <clears throat> it's just again proper old school. Yeah. Training is a good lesson. So we was um training at where was we training? High Street Kensington. So Mariso was teaching there. <clears throat> and back in the day, you had Roger Brookham. So you could roll. This is how great things were. So Roger Brookham is an alliance guy. Very, very good. Super tough. Um, if you can imagine, you, you pair up with Mauricio. And then once you roll with Mauricio, you roll with Roger Brookham. Yeah. And then you, you get, you know, and there's not many places you can say you've done that. I don't know I've not met I've not seen Mauricio for, for, for a few years but you know timing with Mauricio is 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 obviously good time spent. Yeah. And to say you've had that is is good. So he would obviously back then um he'd only been like early forties or something. So he he would roll with everyone and obviously he was smash, he was a mash he was a bad man. Smash everyone. A bad man, yeah. But but in a jujitsu way. Yeah. So there's about seven or eight of us in the class, not a busy class. Uh, I think it was a stri- three-stripe blue. So I, I, I would do okay in a sparring. Um, and I don't know, uh, Mariso was, uh, was taking a few calls and he looked like, um, was taking, you know, getting, getting the arm, whatever was going on, just he put the phone down. And, but his, he, the, the class was a master class. He's mm. throwing gold dust out there, right? Yeah. You know, a few little things. Oh, it's just, again, really good and we went to spa so he's grabbed me and within seconds i mean he's slapping on knee bars and all sorts yeah and he had um i don't know how he ended up there i think he'd gone from neon belly to arm bar he stood up and i thought he's gonna take my leg off so i've mm. tapped way 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 before um it was it was on so i'm on kind of red alert and um anyway he's got neon belly and he's putting that the, the the infamous Mauricio knee on belly on yeah famous <clears throat> little did he know I'd watched a Wallet Ismail tape on escape from neon bellies okay so this sounds like that was specific research to deal <laughs> no, with no 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 it was just um it was just a, a tape someone had lent me so you shift out the hips you throw your left leg over the head and the the arm that's doing something you'd armbar that yeah so i'd never practiced it i'd only ever seen it like the once I you thought, saw the opportunity i thought here we go yeah. let's catch a six degree black belt <laughs> my foot's come over it smacked him straight in the face <laughs> a proper heel kick right on his nose oh god and and the first thing he says, <laughs> sorry. So as soon as it's he's cracked, he he just looked at me, just said, "The fuck are you doing, man?" <laughs> and I 
caught a right hand right, <laughs> the, right on my face. And he, that's it. He got up. He's walked off the mat. So I was like, oops. <laughs> and I looked at the guys who was sort of waiting because I think he only sparred. I think he just sparred with Mauricio and one other and that yeah. was it. And everyone's kind of looking in different directions. <laughs> so what has happened? So as I got up, my head's pissing blood like, you know, and um, okay, I'll, I'll go and get changed or something. Yeah. So, so I've gone in and obviously my eyes kind of open a little bit. But I had some stereo strips. I yeah. kind of patched it back up, and I thought, "What do you do now?" So I thought, "Well, I can't just go home. I'll, I'll go and sort of apologise to yeah. Marissa, like." And uh, again, I didn't know how it's going to go. I just cracked yeah. it on the face, and obviously, it's gone a little bit. It's gone south, as they say. <laughs> as I've walked out, so I've had my shower, I've patched up, and Marissa's yes, come look to me. He's like, well, "Hey, man, I'm, I'm sorry." I said, I'm, I'm sorry, it's, uh, you know, again, it's my my fault, you know. Yeah. Um, and it was all good, give me a big hug. And, and then I, it, was, it was fine then. It was just like, I, I said, I don't, I don't know what I'm thinking. I just, and and you get that with beginners, don't you? And sometimes yeah. they just kind of freak out a little bit. And The um, next time one of my white belts kicks me in the head, I'm going to punch him in the what eye. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> in, a, in a thick, menacing accent. <laughs> Doing, man, like, you know? That's just the, that's just a proper old school, old school, you know, and it's um, yeah, you know, like I said, I don't say again. You couldn't do that nowadays, yeah. And uh, but I, I, again, you know, the way the way to deal with it, you know, from my perspective was, you know, I was in the wrong. It was, yeah. it was the wrong thing to do, and if you're going to do that, expect that. You know, sure, expect that. And um, but again, he was a complete gentleman. He he could have just come out and I don't know, just said, "Well, what do you think you play?" You know that yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. But he just said, "No, it's uh, you know." But again, it, it happens. It, it's it's that it's that you know we would say in the Marines, you know, flash that fla- the flash to bang ratio is very small in yeah, Brazilians. Yeah. You know, maybe if it happened to us, you go, like, "Well, hey, what's yeah, what's going yeah. on? You shouldn't do that." And then you decide, but. Old school is not like that, you yeah. Know? And um, yeah, so that that's my story, and uh, it's it's quite funny. <laughs> I like I like it. It delivered. Um, <laughs> so kind of let's let's talk more about the Gracie self defense stuff that you got into more because uh, you know we were talking beforehand in terms of what you teach now, in terms of jujitsu, you teach purely the Gracie yeah. self defense stuff. No sport jiu-jitsu at all? No. Um, so I, I trained with Mark, say, 99 till so the last sort of session I did with him. I did a seminar, I think, at Dave Burkett's. That had been about 2000 and midway 2013. So he, he left Hoyas in 2002 and went with Baja. So I only really did sport half guards and sweeps and stuff like that so when i started teaching when i opened this little school i was just going to teach the same stuff all ground fighting um as in sport you know uh, past guard and stuff like that um but the, when i went out to the valenti brothers um that is not what they did you know you would do classes of stand-up self-defense so you'd normally do 
two self-defense techniques, then some ground techniques. So the ground techniques would be, you could put them in sport, but it's guard passing, mount retention. It's a very similar to Grace Academy. Yeah. But what they would not entertain is any form of standing up in guard and, and holding on, koala guard and stuff like that. So uh, if you were on your back and the opponent stood up, what was expected to have happened? <clears throat> well, the first time I went out there, I had a bit of man flu, a bit dehydrated from the flight, but I went straight into a spa class. So we did the um, the drills, you do the drills, um, and then you do seven minutes, do seven minute rounds. So Pedro Valenti, he said, right, we don't do the koala guard here. Um, I, I don't think I was even listening or, or I hadn't really heard of what the koala guard was. Yeah. So if someone stood up in my guard, I'd hold on with them. Not that I had a great strategy about what to do, but I knew I'd keep weight on. So they knew I was there for the black belt test. So Guy put me with um, some so MMA you, guy. You, you were at the Valente Brothers for... The black belt test week. So you were a brown belt already? Yeah, four-stripe brown. From, from the Valente Brothers? No, from Mark. From Mark, yeah. okay. And then you'd gone out there to... The, to, to test for... actually do a... Te- we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, yeah. So, big guy, pretty ripped, pretty juiced probably. And we're sparring, he's going... Okay, he was a brown belt and he sees my four stripes and, and you know, a limey. So he, he took it to me and um, I was doing okay. And he stood up. So I've, I've held on. Yeah. And the next thing I know, he slammed me and he's trying to put me through the floor. Oh, shit. So I remember thinking, what was that? So we carried on fighting and he stood up again. And you went up with him again? I went up with him again, thinking, and by the time I'm thinking, what should I do now? He has slammed me again, proper like his legs are shot back on. So now I'm I'm pretty shook out. I'm just like, what is... Well, coming from like a pure sport jiu-jitsu background... That's an illegal move. Yeah. You know, if someone does that in a, uh, if someone was to do that in the gym, in a normal jujitsu academy, everyone's going to be, there's going to be uproar. Like it's happened and I've sent people off the mat and I've sent them home because they're slamming (laughs) someone like that, you know? So we we go back to, I take a few goes to understand. He did it a third time. It's about a third time. I've got to let go and just kind of. Yeah. So we then rolled again. And we just carried on. I just fought to the death, basically. And um, come the end of it, I mean, I was shattered. I'd survived. But I'd come off and um, keep was kind of laughing. And the next guy I went with was fortunately a little bit, uh, just a bit of an older guy and that. And I said, that, that guy, he's pretty good. And I said, well, what's the deal with, like, slamming? He said, well, yeah, don't, don't hang on. Don't hang on in the guard. Why would you? Would you do that in a street fight? I said, well, well, no, but it's, we're not having a street fight. So anyway, that was my introduction to... Yeah, it's a really interesting perspective. I totally get it um, that uh, if you're on the street and you pull guard on someone and they stand up yeah. and you hold on, they will smash you into the ground <laughs> uh-huh. and they will fuck you up pretty bad from that. So I do get it from a self-defense perspective. It's really, it's a really interesting way to begin to merge mm-hmm. the sport jiu-jitsu world with... It's not doing self-defense it's doing sport jiu-jitsu but it's having this switched on uh consciousness in regards to actually the application for more of a self-defense scenario so it's an interesting way of combining the two i know that they've run like the gracie cup 
where slamming from the yeah. closed guard yeah. is legal and people knocking people out with it. You know, I remember one of the Gracie brothers, you know, uh, Henna or um, uh, one, one, one of the younger ones, this generation's ones, um, pick someone up, grab them by... It might have been Huron. Yeah, it I think it might have been Huron. Yeah. Grab them by both lapels and not only slam with the body, but slam down with the hands as well, not the guy clean out. It's kind yeah. of crazy, isn't it? And that's on a mat. Imagine what you do to someone on pavement. <laughs> well, I felt the full force. Yeah. I mean, I've never been slammed before, and the first one you know, really shook me. The second one, so like I say, come the third one, it was um, do not, do not um, hang on the guard. And I think that's where people get confused with the, the self-defence. Yeah. Because they're not just teaching stand-up self-defence, static, we get you in a headlock and you do, you know, again, like that traditional, and that's why it's um, it's drilled with a little bit more kind of resistance and that. But then the ground stuff you do, you could do in, in sport. And I yeah. think um, Cron, excuse me, he said he lost... A decision. He's in the guy's half guard. And he, he assumed a particular half guard on top for the for the punching. He said, "That's what I do." So um, this was for MMA. Uh, no, for a gi competition. Okay, okay. So he wasn't overly fussed about passing to get the points. I think he was down on points, and sure. then he said the guy just held on, knew he was ahead, and yeah, that, he was conscious of the punching. The yeah, he just he said, "But I'm not going to do what he wanted me to do because then that would be the sporty kind of sure." Okay, you know, so. He said, so I lost the match, but I've not stepped outside of my, you know. And that's the thing. So, you know, everything you do on the grounds, even if you're a sport guy, if you did some lessons at the Valenti, you, you, you'd say, well, that's a, it's, a, it's a pretty standard ground fighting technique. And I could put that in sport if I wanted to. What you won't do is a very complex guard passing sequence. You pass it like this or this, or you're going to crack the guy. Therefore, you don't need all this additional stuff okay so so yeah you're not going to do super fancy no. uh because you're just going to punch him in the face to open the goal yeah yeah and again they'd say look you know the guy underneath isn't going to be an ibjjf double world champion therefore he's not going to do specific things to you know slow down a guard pass and, and that so you, you don't need to and again realistically if if that's the road you go down and you're happy with that, then be be happy with that. You know, the moment you you say no, I I, I want to do the sporty stuff, which will win you medals and that. That's that's up to you. That's yeah. that's, that's, that's the choice people make. So there's no kind of um, there's no right and wrong. There's no derogatory like yeah. you know, oh man, look at your medals. But can you do that in the street? Like, yeah. Um, you know, if you if you if you're good at rugby, there's no self defence applications there. But you're going to be a tough guy. So yeah. If you're if you're, if you're tough on the mat you know you would just say look in these positions there's and, and it was a fight then maybe you could get hit but for most people you say well when was your last street fight and for some people say well never or maybe many years ago so therefore the relevance to them is not i don't need to know it today but if you as a policeman or anything in law you might say well yeah okay maybe perhaps i'll do that more self-defense sure that makes sense um and you know, I'm going to assume that that resonated with you a lot more because obviously, you know, when we were first talking about you getting into Tang Sudo and stuff like that, you were always self-defense 
conscious yeah yeah and you were serving in the military which is you're always going to be thinking about that stuff and then i know that um i don't know if it's still what you do now but you work or you did work with uh young offenders right yeah so i don't do that anymore fortunately jiu-jitsu has, has meant i don't have to do that anymore but um i did that for 14 years so you were working in a <clears throat> in, in a prison or in a what it is it's um so Back in the mid-90s, there was a huge problem with like feral youth committing crimes and there was nowhere to put them. So they built these prisons for them, but the age group would be 14 to 17. So you have, would have committed an adult crime and if you was an adult, you would be sent to prison. So now what they're saying, well, if you commit a crime as a minor you will go to these places. And and usually they go to the places until they turn 18 and then they ship them off to prison. Assuming you, that the... You can the, be 15. To go to a prison? YOI, Young Offenders Institution. Okay. So you weren't working at a Young Offenders Institution? Right, so what you've got, the uh, thing that we have was a detention training centre, a DTC. Okay. So therefore you would be classed potentially vulnerable. So if you're six foot three at 15 and you are in for a multiple assault, you're going to buy a because okay, yeah. you can hang with the big boys. Sure. But you might have stabbed someone, but you're 14 and you're five foot and weedy. So therefore, to send you to a YOI when you get, you're 15, you're going to be, you're going to be a, a target. It's going to be a problem, yeah. yeah. So they'll come to us. So... We had that balance of um, very violent, very skilled criminals um, who've only ever known criminal way of life, who just didn't meet the threshold threshold on age. Um, even if they did reach 15, as with us, depending on what the behaviour was like, sure, they may send them to YOI and I imagine if they were a bit you know the IOI was a bit busy or full up then there would be circumstances where they just didn't have places for them or stuff like that if, if you I mean the thing that some of them would do was, would be to threaten suicide so if you was at YOI and you said I'm, I think I'm going to kill myself they may say okay we'll go to we're going to send you to a DTO instead so you're still locked up but what the rules and restrictions around ours was very different so in a YOI, you could be in your cell for 23 hours a day, yeah. potentially. You come to us, you have to be out of your room for 12 hours a day, yeah. unless you've assaulted someone or something. So It's a much nice place to be, basically. It's a cushier way yeah. of life, you yeah. know. And, and, you know, so, um, you know, we, we, we couldn't sort of handcuff them um, unless a specific need arose and sure. even then you had to get like a direct approval um yeah you could you could just do more 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 fun things for them but um the the level of violence was just off the chart really? it is absolutely off the chart and you know even by, i done i done i worked on the door for like 18 months when i left the marines yeah i've been in the marines i've been all around the, the globe seeing and so i thought i've got a pretty good handle on um, you know what to violence expect. Yeah. yeah and you know again it is a, a, a massive eye-opener really <clears throat> and so therefore it's no surprise when you hear of you know stabbing in london and they'll say two 15 year olds have been arrested yeah that is no surprise at all you know so we would get a lot of um kids in um 
I guess kids like that age as well, the biggest difference that I'd imagine between kids and adults is kids just aren't really smart enough to understand the consequences of their actions, right? They, I think they can be a lot more... Obviously, you can have adults that are just, you know, don't care about the consequences. Yeah. But you think, you know, kids very often um, act a lot more emotively uh, without thinking about, you know, they'll just go. They'll just be violent without thinking about yeah, the consequences. Yeah, I... I... Again, I did it for a long time and you talk to psychologists and psychiatrists and that. I mean, really, a lot of them, they live in like a cartoon yeah, world, yeah. you know, like a Mickey, uh, Tom and Jerry. If I hit you on the head with a frying pan, you'll just go, ouch. <clears throat> and and they think that's that's what happens. So, again, all the crazy stories. So I was just trying to think of a few um, ones that sort of stuck out. Yeah. So what you'd have, you'd have a thing called the first response <clears throat> in the centre. So you get 10 kids together. You, you, won't, you can get more than 10. So in the gym, they'd have like five-a-side football. Sure. But you'd have a lot of staff to monitor that. And obviously, you know, these are gang kids. Yeah. So some might know someone from another part of town or, or just say there's been a, a, a problem. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm at the top uh, in the gym with the kids up there. And um, I look down... <clears throat> And the fight's kicked off. So one of the lads is Sean. So he should have been at YY. He's too big. He's too old. Too violent for to be with us. So all the kids, there's a big sort of melee going on. One kid's gone down. He's like kicking him in the head, but like as in proper kicking him in the head. So I press my alarm. <clears throat> I've run from the gym. So I've got to go through a locked set of doors, down a flight of stairs, through another double set of doors, lock that door, lock everything behind you. Yeah. Bomb out, got run across the door, and he's still kicking him in the head, still Jesus stamping on the head. Now, you see me coming, he knew I was a blue belt at the time, so yeah. they kind of knew that a member of staff maybe not to engage with on that level. He see me running at him, I was going to obviously be Tackle him, a yeah. robust. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he stopped, he's put his hands up, he said, it weren't me, bruv. Yeah. And that's very, very clever. Yeah. So already I'm, I've stopped and then oh uh, <clears throat> so I've grabbed him and I'm already thinking now well, was it him? Yeah. even though your mind you is, I have just it, seen yeah. him do it I guess in that moment he's already so, thinking yeah. of his defence sure okay so Sean was thick okay but criminally very smart sure yeah. so now I've grabbed him and by then there's staff everywhere and he's not he's just chilled like he's yeah so I remember staff's come over. I said, right, you know, who's, who's done what? And sh- first thing, he said, nothing to do with me. It weren't me. He said, John, it weren't me, was it? And I think I must have said, uh, I'm not sure. You know, already your mind's playing yeah. doubts. So then I said, no, no, what are you on about? It was him. I said, right, take Sean back. So Sean goes back to, the, you get locked up. And that's him. Um, so there's a lot of blood. The lad was fortunately not. As, as crazy as it was, he obviously managed to defend yeah. or do something. Gone back to his room. So he's in a locked room. Um, anyway, we got everything sorted out. We've gone back. I've gone to check on him in his room because he was on my unit, funny enough. It's like, Sean, what, what are you doing, mate? I noticed the washing machine was going. All his clothes are in now. <clears throat> and his trainers. So straight away, what he's done, he's gone back to the unit. He said to the member of staff, all my stuff needs washing. So 
um, for a, a criminal, you want all the DNA, you want all the evidence on there. Mm. He has got it all washed off mm. within seconds. Seconds. Yeah. I said, to him, "What are you doing? He should. He shouldn't. He's got to be interviewed by the police. He's yeah. a serious assault." And he's in his room, like he's on his bed, like this, like you know, it's like. So even with all the video evidence, which was not great. Again, if I give my statement, what's the first thing he said? It weren't me, you know? Yeah. And it's all very clever stuff. And I think he got away with it. I wow. think he got away with it. Because even though I said I'd seen him, the lad that he kicked wasn't going wasn't gonna to snitch. Sure. So he just went nowhere. Clever wow. kids, clever kids. Fair play to him. And um, <clears throat> did you kind of, you know, you're working in this place for 14 years, just saying it's the most crazy violent place that you've ever been there must have been a lot of times that you had to use all the time really absolutely everything pretty much because i was teaching krav maga it's a striking system yeah so there is nothing but in that environment if if you know grappling you are <clears throat> it is you'll get out of jail card free mm. um, well know. that's the thing with sort of the, the advantage of grappling over striking is when you when you when you start throwing punches elbows knees kicks yeah. headbutts you take it to the next level yeah. straight away you can't really the, the, you're not de-escalating when you when you start throwing strikes you're immediately taking it to like a pretty intense level um where people someone's going to get hurt because that's why you're doing that you're throwing strikes and, and even like legally you're you're already blurring the lines of who sure. did what yeah you know um so i would say so we would deal with so if i was on the first response so if you imagine we had anything up to 40 kids in a secure unit, the kids are only there for crime. There's yeah, no one yeah. there. You know, that's the only reason you're there. So they're all violent. And that's the thing that people didn't understand, you know, and you'd learn this over time. So even when they come in, they go, oh, you know, uh, Billy's a really nice lad, you know, he's, he's quite respectful and that. You can't, you know, but again... <clears throat> They're all violent. They've all assaulted someone at some point, whether it be the police or you know parents at some point. So you say you could never take. They might be all right now. It's relative, isn't it? <clears throat> like, they might. They might be the nicest kid yeah. in the bunch of violent teenagers. But that's all it is. Yeah. And they're, again, they're all there to survive. Um. So even if they're not attacking staff, they're going to be. They'll be attacking someone. someone, and that's what you have to manage. And. I think you had Lee Remedios. Yeah. So if you can imagine five Lee Remedioses <laughs> on a unit, and there's only two of you, and you have to manage five hyperactive, um, you would say that's a that's a tough job. You know? I think that's, that's man- my... managing one Lee Remedios. Is yeah. <laughs> and you've got five of them. And they can be in there for any crazy offence. Yeah. So, um, it's, um, so, yeah, you're... Jiu-jitsu in the real world is 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 in, invaluable, and yeah. again, it, it does keep you safe. Um, and when you were doing that stuff, you know, because it, it's so interesting to talk to someone who has done the sport jiu-jitsu, the self-defense Gracie jiu-jitsu, and you know, obviously other martial arts, crab and stuff like that, which we'll talk about uh, in a minute. But um, someone who's gone through all of that, but actually been put in a position where that needs to be tested yeah, every yeah, single yeah. day. You know, how many people uh, do, you know, so for example, I've never been in a street fight. I've never had to really, uh-huh. really use jujitsu outside of 
you know, off the mat. Whether I've been training pure sport jiu-jitsu or whether I've been training pure Gracie self-defense for the last 12 years, I wouldn't have been able, I wouldn't know what worked and what didn't yeah. work, but you're someone who's actually used and you, you know, you know exactly what works and what doesn't work. So as a general rule, what was the stuff that, you know what, this is, I've just, you know, I learned this and this has been incredibly valuable for me. Do you um, have any of those things? Yeah, absolutely. So anyone that ever, some of my students um, now work with me in that, that, that place. Um, so there's two places. I worked at a place down in Kent, which is, um, again, a secure training centre. The other place I worked was what they call like a local authority children's home, so it's secure. And in there you get what we call like the Section 53s, which is, you're in there for like rape, murder. So again, they're heavy even the heavier ends all kids still all kids wow <clears throat> so I worked with um, John Venables the, the, the lad that yes. killed Jamie Bolger yes so I worked with him um, and we had another a girl that had committed double murder wow at 15 um, so that's it's really it's like a, it's like a, you just don't it's really hard for normal people to get their yeah. head around that stuff, isn't it? Did these places even exist? Yeah. Unless you know these places exist yeah. and you certainly don't understand what kids are capable of, you know, um, it's a it's a huge eye-opener. And again, we're not talking about the biggest kids, but a kid with a knife is yeah. someone very dangerous and yeah. with no concept of um, you know, what that knife will do. And I think that's certainly what happened to uh, Damalola Taylor. They stabbed him in the leg because they, they didn't want to kill him. Yeah. They're just going to stab him. And I worked with a lad that had... Stabbed someone in the back, um, killed him. Uh, that was over a uh, football, he, hard tackle. No. So tackling hard, so he went back home, got a seven-inch knife, <clears throat> come up behind him and stabbed him in the heart. And I said to I didn't say, at the time it was, the case is ongoing. So you, you, not that you would talk to them about it anyway, sure. but I think he must have alluded to it. And he just, he's like, as if you're stupid. He said, but I didn't mean to kill him. Yeah. So I wanted to stab him. Yeah, as if that was you know. So but yeah, like I'm not a bad guy. I didn't mean to kill him. I was just, do you know what? No, was just a just a casual, a stabbing. nice lad, a yeah. nice lad. But again, he was I think from Sierra Leone. Yeah. So his body was covered in like cigarette burns. Yeah. So he had been obviously beaten and tortured, and so to him, violence was just kind of what what happened. So born into that world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, I'm going to stab you, and you know. But yeah, he said I didn't want. I don't want to do because he ended up doing. I think well, he got manslaughter bizarrely enough not murder really he managed he did manage to convince him that he genuinely didn't want yeah to and they looked at obviously looked at his background yes yeah. you know the sort of um upbringing they had which would obviously then influence maybe not the best decisions in sure. life but he's still going to do at least 10 years i think you know you know so given the choice he would have said well no i wouldn't have done it had i known the the consequences but um so yeah where do we get to yeah so i'd say your high percentage grace jiu-jitsu and I use this on a regular basis. And again, it, it doesn't hurt anyone, but it would be um, get the clinch, get to the back from the clinch. Um, there's a thing called a snap back in wrestling. You lift them, put them down. Yeah. And now they're on the grounds. Yeah. No injury. <clears throat> this on, is from double, double underhooks on yeah, the body? Yeah. yeah. Was, um, I did it in Eric Paulson's seminar. Okay. <clears throat> and that lasted me 14 years of my... Wow. Just to get them down, just, just do what it takes to get them down. And then uh, knee on belly, gift wrap, and then pretty much that's what you do. So hopefully you're in a room, a secure room by then. 
So once you're there, you check the door, you just say, right, it's a room clear. I want to let go and bomb out. Yeah. And that's what I would do on hundreds and hundreds really? of occasions. Wow. Um, and it, it would go right most of the time. Yeah. But, um, I mean, one funny story. So they had a lad in from YOY, 17. <clears throat> it's too big, shouldn't have been with us. Very violent. So he ended up, and he, he knew he was in a much nicer place. Sure. So he was, he'd become aggressive and abusive to staff. And he's like, well, what are you going to do? See, if he was smart, we thought, <clears throat> you know what? I'm in a nice place. I'm in Slipper City here. Why? I'm, I'm going yeah. to keep my head down and try and stay here. But they're not built yeah. like that. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm saying, gonna, yeah. you know. So anyway, a, uh, a fight has ensued. He's attacked a member of staff. So I've come in, the alarms are gone. And I was due to do my class. I would leave work early. Do the crowd on Monday night, so I'm clock watching. Oh my god, we've it's kicked off, and it was like quarter to seven. Yeah. So I've tried to. He's on the floor. I've tried to get the gift wrap on from the side control. Can't turn him over, and I've done every. I thought, what is it? Is he like superhuman? Or I just couldn't seem to. Again, when you're in those situations, it's a little bit tunnel vision. You're not thinking of what else is going on mm. other than what isn't happening. I've looked to my right and there's a guy hanging on his legs mm, so I'm trying stopping to him from turn moving. over it's like get off his legs like just leap right so eventually we kind of escort into his room and I'm tired now I've used quite a lot of energy for yeah. me so I got him down in the corner of the room I got the gift everything's gone good gift wrap but he's grabbed my shirt which again self defence how do you get rid of that because I can't leave He's just sort of hanging on. So, again, you'd think of what's the self-defeat. You want to break that grip. I didn't want to break the grip because I had the gift wrap on. So you're already thinking this is a problem now. So he's trying to kick, if you imagine, on the knee. I'm doing what I did to Mauricio, basically. He's just trying yeah. to boot you. So I'm now. You didn't say, uh, <clears throat> what the fuck are you doing and punch him in the face? Not, <laughs> it, that comes later. That comes later. And I'm thinking I'm stuck here. So... Eventually, I think I've, I've ripped, I've just postured up. And I had this kind of cool Adidas T-shirt that's gone. So he's, he's got basically my T-shirt in his hands. Yeah. And as I've turned around, he's grabbed my foot. So now I've gone down there and he's jumped on top. Wow. And he just started putting in the hits. So again, I'm in the, I'm in the guards and it's that self-defense. I didn't want to be in the guards. Yeah. I'm a good, by then I was a brown belt yeah jiu-jitsu brown belt and the last place i want to be is on my back in the guard with a a guy just trying to punch my face in yeah so again it's not even something i was practicing then punch proof guard but you're just doing just kind of defending and then his arms come under my leg so he's in a triangle now so i've locked up the triangle and kind of punch blocked on that and people thought i'm in a bad position now they're trying to put him out and I'm having to say look just leave it leave it leave it leave it and I think he went out because obviously he's, he's going to go he's trying to punch my face in basically yeah, yeah. so I think he's gone out so I've rolled into the mounted triangle so now it's all good and I let it off and then I I thought of Mauricio so I thought again what what is the message here again you can't swear you can't you know you've got to say it as it is so he obviously he's come rounds, and I said, I said, mate, I said you want to 
calm yourself down you know do you understand me in the most authoritative meaningful way possible yeah now again he's just woken up in a triangle he doesn't know and he's like you fucking want it mate you know like, <laughs> yeah. What? yeah and it completely threw me yeah so he starts fighting again I'm thinking, what? You're still in the triangle at this still point. Still in a triangle. Yeah. But then it must have sort of clicked in as in, ah, I can't do anything now. It, yeah. It's not as good as what. And again, I think he had just gassed out as well. And so I've, I've got off and sort of backed out. And um, it's one of them things, anything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. Yeah. You know, skilled or unskilled, it's a very bad situation. Um, and again, that's where, you know, the jiu-jitsu sort of come through you know and again so I teach and again who's going to really punch who's going to amount any serious attack in the street on you in your guard it's going to be punching you're yeah. not going to pass in that yeah 100% you know. so you know the focus for me if that's what you want to come and learn then that's what we will concentrate on yeah um, and, and that's it so you know again I could bore everyone sensitive with the, these stories but they do happen and that's where that that sort of very simple jiu-jitsu um, was was very beneficial to yeah. me. Um, kind of what I'm interested in because you know I, I don't I don't know anyone who has had, I guess unless you spoke to like a bouncer or something like that. But it sounds like you get even more action than a bouncer would uh, in terms of more know. than more, I, I, so. Marcus, I spoke to Marcus, and he just said, you know, there's more. You, it's like, even with the police. You know, most policemen don't do martial arts. Yeah. Why not? Because you're always in pairs. It's straight away you've got your buddy, you've got handcuffs, you've got mace, you've got, nowadays you've got a taser. Yeah. You've got a stab-proof vest. Now, we had T-shirts. There was no kind of, um, and again, if it, you couldn't even get the handcuffs. Yeah. So everything had to be done like on a physical wow. sort of uh, method. So I think one day we counted seven, so seven big incidents that, I that you were with. involved in yeah. one day because it was on wow. the first response. I did an all-day shift, so you're going from one unit to another. How many another. kids are in this uh, facility? There's like there's like five on each unit, uh, eight units, five on each unit. So it's not even that many, is it? No. Wow. Yeah. So you know what I'm saying is, you know, I've never spoken to someone who's kind of seen that much right. practical use yeah, of grappling. Yeah, yeah. Um, I kind of wanted to just delve into the what's going through your head psychologically uh, and emotionally when you're engaging these sort of things because I, you know, this is also coming from someone who was in the was in the military and and was on uh, you know deployed for six years or whatever. So uh, you're going to have some experience dealing with adrenaline and dealing with sort of those situations, but and obviously same as doing bouncer work, but. Um, Obviously, when when shit kicks off, basically, your body is going to go through a certain reaction, and I kind of just want to know what your what your thoughts are in the, the the change between the first couple of weeks that you were working at this detention center by the time you've been working there for fourteen years and you've gone through hundreds and hundreds of these cases. Do do you still get that same reaction, that same adrenaline dump? Absolutely, yeah. It, does it not change? Nothing changes. Really? Nothing really changes. So. I'm sure if you talk to anyone, um, you know, what you get, you got two different situations. If the alarms went, so when was working the first response, if the alarm went, you would run, so straight away your adrenaline kicks in and sure. you don't really care. You turn up and there'll be bodies everywhere and you just get you just get stuck in. Now that's very different 
if someone the problem is with you and someone's in your face sure now you've got to manage that situation yeah so your first thought is i've got to try and de-escalate it i have to but you know and it's how you do that without you know revealing that obviously your adrenaline is now going because their adrenaline is already up yeah that's why they're shouting and swearing it's all that sort of posturing they're getting your adrenaline out yeah you should present as very calm and relaxed and hey come on let's let's calm down so you do um you know the things you notice are obviously that the, the heart is going the butterflies in the stomach always used to get that and that genuine i just don't want to be here mm. and even though i'm physically capable of dealing with you it could go wrong yeah you know something else might happen and certainly on on in the early days on a unit of five the others could jump in and, and we had that yeah happen before um so that's where that thing with the whole jeff thompson fence was indispensable you know just that um hands up and again keeping the hands moving because that stops the, the, the sure, visual shaking because yeah. you can't let on no you can't no. let the I was going to say opponent, but you can't let the yeah. person that you're going to have to deal with uh, know that you're in any way, you know, emotive yeah. or, or... So a or, couple of funny things sort of happen. So the, um, again, just, just good tips for if you, know, if you find these in these positions. Fence is always good because this keeps people away and people are very reluctant just to step into your space because I want to hit you. And if you're just out of range, you don't really want to commit to that big right hander. So the hands just being there is good. The other thing is keep the talking to a minimum, if it's, if at all. Mm. You know, it's yes, it's no. So a couple of reasons for that is <clears throat> obviously your your voice, the vocal cords tighten. Sure. So then you start speaking a little bit of a squeaky high voice, which again you sound terrible. So if you're going to say anything, it's yes, no, or have at least something pre-planned to say. So I had like a few things. That you don't you want would, to be stumbling your words. And, exactly. Yeah. That's what people, you trip over your words. Yeah. Then you, you're not really concentrating on what the problem is. And then obviously that's when they see an opportunity to crack you. Mm. So, you know, sometimes people would say, you know, well, what are you going to do about it? And you'd hear people go, well, I would, you know, give a, a list of things they would do. So I would just say, I'll think of something. And you just keep it like that. I'll mm. think of something. Which again, it sounds kind of, cool and yeah because it's, it's one of those things where you actually want them to be thinking right yeah so you want you're gonna go um i'll think of something yeah. and they're gonna go what, what the fuck is he gonna think yeah. of <laughs> if, if you were to say like you know i'm gonna double oh, leg you, you watch and put you, on you, the ground, you watch what's yeah <laughs> it's gonna you know? happen right uh so yeah you've got you've got to get them that, that there's a there must be so much of that psychology and mind games into those just one-on-one -on -one physical confrontation it, it can, you know you can win the fight there because straight away, if I see you're super confident, and by saying what well, I think of something, you're not actually that bothered, but you say it with an air of confidence. So the other thing I used to quite like doing was eating. It's always handy to have a banana, which again, I'd normally turn up to an instant with a banana, or at least something that, whatever you've got to do, yeah, just sort of as if it's kind of nonchalant. Yeah. You know, I'm threatening you. I'm going to kill everyone in the room. And you're stood there eating a banana, just kind of nodding. And, and if that, someone's trying to kind of intimidate yeah. you and you're not even phased at all. Oh, it's just up quite, you know, 
Yeah. <laughs> and I, lo- and I love that you, you know, the alarms go, if you run up to this, uh, you run up to this place, everyone's swinging, there's bodies everywhere, you just stop, pour banana out your pocket, just slowly. If, if it's all kicking off, you would, no, if, joking, if, yeah. if it's gonna, you know, it looks like pretty grim, you could normally be the guy, because again, if you're calm, they will calm down. Yeah. They normally say, oh, come on, mate, look, let's yeah. grab a cup of tea or something, let's just, you know, like, just, you know, and that would work a lot. You've got to be prepared if it's gone beyond that. But just those few little things. And again, it it means the talking doesn't sound, because you've got your mouth full of whatever. Um, You don't get the the nervous kind of pitch, you know. So a few of those things are, again, very helpful. That is. Also, you know, the breathing, just getting that nice, you know. So again, that just calms everything down. Yeah. And, you know, I've worked with people that, I've got, you know, mastered that sort of, and obviously then you work with people that just, the opposite, just completely can't even talk. I'd never seen that before when someone asks, you know, what are you going to do about it, mate? And they just go, ah. really <laughs> can't even verbalize anything. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, and that is that thing about, you know, they are literally frozen with fear. It's the fight, flight or yeah, freeze. Yeah. So when response. you see it and that's when they would normally, that's the time of punch. <clears throat> you've not put your hands up you, you're there just with your hands by your side so I'm going to line you up and you're going to get the best right hand I can um, yeah. put across mm. and then when you talk to people after they'd say well, I, was, I was just slow getting my hand up as if they're going to block it right? yeah you know, but that a lot of that would be they didn't want to admit they was terrified it, yeah. and that and you go look it's not a bad thing it's, it is what happens. So yeah, I, 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 you know, the jiu-jitsu and the whole kind of just looking into the fight or flight and the psychology and understanding, like I say, it's natural. There's no way you're going to be, you know, genuinely calm. But oh, you know, you, you would give. you would think that maybe after hundreds of of incidents that you'd almost be. It's just another day in the office. Yeah. But then, you know, that 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 adrenaline response to a threat, and very rarely do you get a threat. In, in modern society yeah. quite as as re- as real as that is you know this is an actual threat you know we'll get s- adrenaline dumped from something for example a great example is you go to a brazilian jiu-jitsu competition yeah. you're going to get a reaction as if you're under threat and you are to a degree but reality you know realistically mm. there isn't actually a threat there uh it, it's it's other it's other psychological factors that are playing into that adrenaline but you are in a situation <laughs> And police officers and um, military, if it comes to it, are in a, a genuine situation where there is a threat. And that adre- adrenaline response, that fight, flight uh, or freeze response is so instinctively yeah, strong yeah, yeah. that actually even hundreds and hundreds of incidents over over a decade and a half still isn't enough to override that yeah, and have no, it not happen. Still there, so, you know, really regardless of their size or what was going on, you'd st- my initial thought would be, I, I just hope this pans out. Yeah. You know, so your body please, doesn't want to be, the, the brain doesn't yeah, want to be in that come situation. Come on, mate. Yeah. You know, and you, you, you're not pleading, but you just really, come on, there's got to be a better way than this. Yeah. Let's, you know, whatever's happened and it's just trying to work through. Yeah. There's certainly no kind of, um, you know, oh, it's, uh, it's just another, yeah. So it is, <clears throat> it's really interesting. That is yeah. interesting. And and then kind of go, going back to the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I don't know if you've competed at yeah. all, it, you know, <clears throat> 
since you've always since you've uh, done all of that stuff but whether your experiences in the military as a bouncer as uh you know this this uh looking after these troubled kids i guess troubled kids, yeah, uh, damaged, damaged has kids, has yeah. given you advantages when you step onto the mat because you know i know that when i talk to people who have competed in mma um, they've experienced something that's a lot more intense than a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu competition and therefore they don't really get the same adrenaline. Uh, if you have someone who played sport when they were a kid um, or competitive sport or anything like that, they're going to be slightly better. You have some person who's never had any mm. form of, of of threat or any conflict or any competition ever in their life and they step on the mats for the first time. That is so powerful experience for these people people get so affected by the adrenaline so affected by the nerves so i just was wondering someone who's gone through so much of that is stepping on the mat in a jiu-jitsu competition just the most blasé thing no, that could possibly no. happen really? I, I really like that i think is um prince nazim said you know when you step in the ring it's a lonely place it is because it's just you isn't it you know obviously you've you've done it at a very high level um I mean, what did you think? You know, you step out in Polaris with uh, AJ yeah. as a gram and, you know, obviously you know he's good and you've obviously got a confidence to know that well, he's not going to smash me in the first 30 seconds, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, how was it for you? Right? Um, you, you know, yeah. uh, the thing is at that point I'd done, you know, I hadn't done anything prior to competitive grappling mm -hmm. in terms of sport competition threats anything like that so i didn't have sort of any of that outside of jiu-jitsu experience but at the point that i was competing on big shows um i'd done a lot of i'd done a lot of right. uh, grappling shows i i don't find it that bad i don't find it that bad at all and i think you know i've done and i've spoken about it a lot on, on on some of the podcasts before um i do do mental performance training and right, stuff like okay. that to, to to prepare me for those sort of things um, so I don't get too much of an issue going into those situations. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I was just interested from, you know, I only have, so for example, if I was to, when I go and compete on uh, Polaris or on EBI or something like that, or a big show, and then I was to go and compete at the South End Open, yeah, that's <laughs> going to be very different because it's a step down yeah. in sort of the, the, the magnitude of what's happening. So I feel like if I was to then compete in a, uh, if I was to compete in a, on on a in an MMA fight in a big MMA fight again with with a big crowd watching something like that, then my the preparation that I had for Polaris and for EBI and stuff like that that's going to be below. Right. So when I go to MMA, you know what? That's probably going to be the way that's going to get my adrenaline going yeah. the most. That's going to make me more <laughs> nervous than I do when I grapple because it's the next level. And then suddenly, you know, I watch people like Conor McGregor walk out in front of a sold out screaming MGM grand and, um, all of this pressure's on him. I'm thinking, man, what's, you know, how is this going through his head? So it's interesting to me because I feel that having to deal with, uh, jumping out of helicopters and having to deal with tackling, you know, violent offenders uh, in, in these detention centres, I feel like that is above in terms of the threat level and the adrenaline level. I feel like that's so far above what grappling is. Whether that just means that when you're stepping on the mat for a grappling competition, uh, the threat seems relatively so low that it doesn't affect you psychologically yeah, I think in the you same just way. Just to what you know, again. Um, <clears throat> 
I mean, I liked, I, I watched your fight with AJ and you had the, 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 the square off at the beginning. Yeah. And what did you, you kind of stroked him a little bit? <laughs> yeah, like, uh, yeah, I was going to try guillotine, so I kind of stroked his neck. Right. Yeah. That, that, you know what? That that whole thing, um, people always ask me about that AJ, about the AJ fight. Like, was it, was it real? Yeah. Um, and the answer is, yeah, it, it kind of was, you know, it was, you know, I don't, um, I don't hate, I don't like AJ. Yeah. I think yeah. he's a bit of a cock, to be honest with you. I think he's a big cock, actually. Um, but I don't hate him. I don't, I've got nothing against him personally. You know, like we're going to chat with each other yeah, and we'll yeah. shoot the shit a little bit when we see each other. Um, but you know, during the match, it was very, very intense, but that's what he wanted. Yeah. And that's what the audience wanted. And I think that's what a grappling show wanted is they, yeah. And some people didn't like, it, you know, some, you know, lots of people like, Oh, this, there's no place for this in the sport. And I've got no problem. I don't take that personally. And some people actually, you know what? My, my grandma came in yeah. and she was watching it. She was like, this is crazy. You know? So I think it, it makes it accessible because it is almost a bit WWE, even though it isn't. What, what just I liked the, the, the bit that kind of stuck out was, um, so you had your square off. Yeah. You go apart, I think you put your hand out, yeah. and he's knocked it away. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but then you kind of went, oh, come on. Yeah. And you could see him disarmed. He went, oh. Yeah. And it, it kind of just, it it then set the tone. Yeah. So he was like, it's, it's real, it's real, oh, it's definitely real. Then, uh, do you know what? They're just going to grapple now. Yeah, yeah. And I thought it was a nice touch from you just to, oh, come on, let's just yeah. do what we need to do sort of but, thing. Um, but, you know, <clears throat> so, so many things happened there, and it was kind of... <clears throat> Um, it was just, it was just a mad experience. Yeah, that yeah. is the maddest fight that I've ever had because it was so crazy. And, 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 but I knew I had to get into that mindset beforehand yeah. because that's how he fights. <clears throat> so he grapples. So you see, um, and he'd fought people leading up to that. He'd fought against Ollie, uh, a Polaris one. I'd seen him fight against Carparisian on Metamoris. Right. And he is, uh, unorthodox not in his grappling but in his behavior right pushing people off the stage taking his mouth yeah, guard yeah, out yeah, and putting yeah. it behind his ear um all of this stuff you know with cop you know he was doing stuff with Carl Parisian Carl Parisian went for a submission and he got up and he shook his finger you know wagged his finger like he didn't have it <laughs> and so I knew that he was big into the mind games and I wasn't going to be a victim of that yeah. I was I was ready to go and take it some more it's good, it's and good. Uh, the only thing that I planned out of all of that was I said before for months beforehand if that guy takes his mouth mouth guard out of his mouth I'm gonna grab it and I'm gonna throw it <laughs> <laughs> that was the only thing the only thing that I had planned but all the other stuff is kind of just spur of the moment but I was doing uh you know I know that he does the he fakes the handshake and shoots it and um he did in the beginning but he did later on right he okay. did uh I went to shake a hand and he <clears throat> shot a single leg um but he was doing stuff like he was trying to push me off um and uh, you know I said I can't even remember what I said to him I did one he went for a he went for a crap something and I gave him the finger wag as well and he was saying afterwards like how did you know yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, all yeah. the stuff that I usually do um but yeah uh it was it was exciting in that way but um yeah it's good to watch really I enjoyed that much. Yeah, yeah. much but yeah going back to you you know so so um comparing the the the, the emotion of competing and grappling relative to all of the stuff that you've done outside yeah, of I just think there's different pressures on <clears throat> excuse me so something like um i competed doing the judo every belt you get some of BJ course, yeah. black belt um and every grade is a contested you have to win the fight yeah so i had to travel around london to find a venue where there was 
you know. So there's always that pressure of I can't lose. Now, it doesn't matter what happens. Whether I get submitted, I get thrown. I don't want to come home empty-handed. So there's that pressure there. So yeah, when you step on the mat, I'm not thinking this could go. I get seriously hurt. You just think if I don't win, I go home without my book stamped. Um, so that would be like the judo. The uh, I competed at the first um, Invitational, Grace Invitational, which is in Dagenham. Okay. I think there's a bit of confusion where that was. So I competed there. And again, I think it was... Um, I, th- I just wanted to do well. Yeah. And um, I fought Dave Coles. Yeah. I fought armbar Dave Coles. Really? So, um, and then Eddie Cohn. Yeah. I fought Eddie Cohn, armbar Eddie Cohn there. Wow. So I was I was doing all right on a yeah. on a competition um, basis, and I fought a guy called Shane Smith. Yeah, one of Mark's um, sort of main guys. Really nice guy, very strong guy. Big, big, big dude. <clears throat> very big, big dudes. Dude, yeah. And I, I did lots of privates with him, and uh, really, really, very, very, very technical guy. And I what, what year was this? Nine, uh, two thousand and three. Wow. So Hoist was there, and yeah. there's the infamous thing with him and uh, Junior. <clears throat> they had a little bit of a standoff with um, Junior from uh, Carlson Gracie. Yeah, go on. I'll tell you my take on this. Okay, so I, I had a video camera with me. Funny enough, yeah, I didn't film it. Oh man, but I'm glad I, I didn't. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> it would be. So I spoke to Horace about this last year, and he again, again gave me his version, which was pretty much the version I saw. So. I think it was um, Simon um, from Carlson yes. fighting, and I watched the match. And again, I didn't. I don't know what the rules were, um, and it, it seemed a bit of a stalemate. Now, Hoist had been refereeing. He had been refereeing about three hours. Wow! He had just been on that mat. All he had was a bottle of water. Yeah, and just doing. So again, you know, not getting paid. He was just doing it there to have Hoist Gracie referee a match. That's pretty cool. <clears throat> So been, so the match obviously ended in a draw, and Hoyce gave it to the other guy, and is it Nel- uh, Nelson? Nelson. So he's obviously gone over and said to Hoyce, some Brazilian, obviously not happy with that decision, and so obviously I don't know what's been said, but he's kind of like, well, obviously that's the decision I come to then obviously um junior then come over and i i, I stood behind junior and he's a big guy he's yeah, oh, huge isn't he's, he Wilson's massive yeah. I was, you know, he's like six foot five i yeah, think yeah he's huge with yeah. it so he's gone over to support and really it was just a lot of pointing and shouting and um up until this point hoist was you know, very much hands open it's like well that's that's it you know it's and then obviously it just turned a bit nasty then and then eventually Hoist has just said, like, he said, man, who, who you're talking to? And <clears throat> I think he said it twice, you know, who are you talking to? Yeah. And Braulio was there as well. So Braulio was just just some brown belt, really. Sure. Um, and he's jumped in. Uh, he just said, guy, guy, guys, whoa, 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 whoa. Then Mark has seen what's gone on and just said, please, please, we don't want any trouble. Can we just calm down and... So Hoyce was, okay. And that was it, really. But I, I said to Hoyce, and he just said, again, he said, I, I, he goes, I'm there refereeing. I had no loyalty. I didn't mm. know the guys. I've just seen the guy that I thought had done better. Yeah. And that that was it. 
I said, if it's, if it's the wrong judgment, it's the wrong judgment. But, um, and that, that was it, really. So, you know, very Brazilian, very fiery, and obviously not. Um, so there was no fight. I think it certainly could have gone mm. the next uh, next level. But, um, yeah, Braulio kind of saved the day, I think, to begin with, just, yeah. to, just to get some sort of... Um, Cool heads, cool yeah. the heads, like you know. So yeah, but I remember watching it. Oh, what's, what's, what's going? Everyone happen? loves a bit of drama. Eh? It was drama, <laughs> but again, it was, a, it was a really good day. And that, like I said, yeah. I, I had a good day. Um, so I lost to to Shane um, on points, and then I fought a guy. So this is in the absolute, and then I fought a guy. So Marcus has said, "Oh, this guy's good," you know. Um, I didn't know what the rules were. So I've mm. gone into attack. He just did um, a double underleg. And I sort of rolled out onto my back. Yeah. Which is a pass. I didn't know that. Okay. So I pulled guards and then he did the same thing. I rolled out. I thought, well, if he's going to keep doing this all day, then before I knew it. He's racking up points. It's 12-0. Yeah. I thought, what's that all about? So he said, well, you've not, you know. I said, yeah, but I'm attacking. Yeah. So that was it. So... Um, yeah, I'd, I'd had a good day. It was, it was good competition and, and that. So yeah, I've, I've, I've you know, um, competed, and obviously I, you do your your judo lineup. Mm. Same pressure there. This is a lineup. I've got to win all the fights. I don't want to go home empty-handed. Um, so that's a different pressure. So those ones, I'm not going to get hurt. Yeah, I guess it's it's more of a um, intrinsic. Uh, you know that adrenaline is coming from something internal in yeah. you, from pressure that you're putting on yourself. Yeah, yeah. Opposed from that external of threat of actual, yeah. you know, harm or something like e- that. Even if you roll with your students, if you put yourself in a bad position, there's always a danger something could go wrong. So there's always that little bit of a, you know, but you're not going to die or you know. Um, so even that that can be at a different level. But for sure, you know, if you're saying, <clears throat> like I say, jumping out of a helicopter, I could miss the rope or those mm. sorts of things that's a different um you know a different so i don't i'm sure a psychologist would give you a better explanation sure. than my my layman's terms well that just that's what we're asking for isn't it um talking about your lineup for your black belt and judo and stuff like that um you mentioned the black belt testing for the valente brothers so that you you got your black belt from the valente brothers it's a hoist belt it's a hoist belt via them or so what happens I think in 2011 he didn't have an academy um, he would go around and he would promote people but really he's only seeing them once a year sure and I think he said that that, that could lead to thoughts of favouritism and it could create issues within the network so he had grown up with the Valentes they had this fantastic academy in, in Miami and he just, they would do a black belt test with their guys. So I think he just said, can my guys come and test at your place? What would the black belt test you know, entail? It's secret. Oh, really? It's secret. Oh, no way. You can imagine it's going to be, you're going to get bashed up. Is it, is it, is it, a, is it a hard? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. hard. Like, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I left with a nice tie kick uh, injury. Um <clears throat> And people are coming out. Tie kick injury. So I've got... Um, so is, is is there quite a lot of emphasis on the self-defence yeah, stuff for the black punching. belt? You need to defend. So I think one of the things they put on Facebook, you know, you defend punching from the guard, from a guy that is going to punch you in the guard. You know, so you're not going to... With gloves on? With uh, MMA gloves. Right. Um, and there'll be a few other drills and that just to really kind of... Um, to see what your 
because again they they say that their style of jiu-jitsu is the five elements and stand up self-defense is only one of them you've got the striking you've got the ground grappling uh, you've got the throwing techniques and they have their philosophy so if you can't defend any punches at all well then you're missing a big bit of what they consider to be the sure. self-defense so yeah you're in that room and so how many how many people are taking the test at the same time or? no one you're in there it's just you so that's another adrenaline so when you walk in that room there's 50 black belts with every cauliflower, 50 black belts, 50 black belts in one room with every cauliflower ear you can imagine. <laughs> and you, you stand there, you've got Valenti's horse will be in the room with you. And then is it more than, so it's just you doing it at a time or it's just you for the whole just day? Just you. No, it's you for the, for, you have like a 45 minute. Okay. But you've been assessed. Sure. It's a little bit different now. I would say it's, it's softer, but Again, I got mashed up on that first day. Yeah. And they spend the rest of the week, you are drilling how, how, and drilling it's, it's, and drilling. It's, it's a seven-day test? Well, it's a week. You should get there. So I got there on the Thursday morning, and you yeah. train four hours a day, Thursday, Friday. Hoist does a seminar on a Saturday, so you'll do the seminar. And then Saturday afternoon, you either go back and test, or you might go back on the Sunday and test. But if you're not doing a class, you should be in the academy drilling and practicing self-defense and getting stuff so when you demonstrate the self-defense you should be pretty on point uh. and that's just he's just grinding on the body to just keep doing this stuff over and over again so yeah that first year i got um i got bashed up pretty good um and that is yeah so there, there's more in the test but you watch guys so they'll go in you hear all this screaming and shouting and banging. Oh. He'll come out, obviously, like dripping in sweat. He'll sit in a chair. Then they'll call you back in. Then they go back in. There's some more. So you're looking at all this going on. You're like, whoa. Holy <laughs> shit. And, and, and can you, you know, is it one of those things where you're going to get a black belt and it's just a, and it's just kind of putting you through it? Or is it a legit test? Do people fail the I black belt? I failed it. Really? I failed it. There was... The first, seven. Like, the first time seven. You... See, this was like 2012 was like the first year Hoist had put the guys in. So, so this was the first time that they'd done the, Vil- with the, the Valencia network, Yeah. Okay. The first. Okay. So the first time Hoist had brought his guy yeah, in to do the yeah. Valencia test. So it was a little bit more kind of unstructured. Sure. That's why I went. Yeah. I said, right, come and test Saturday afternoon. I got there. Uh, no, we can't do it. We're doing someone else. We're running over. Okay. Come back. Um, so yeah, you go in It's about an hour's worth of, um, you know, stuff. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, so yeah, it's a fail. It's a fail. And, and, and do you know what you failed on? Self-defense. You just didn't know the syllabus or? I, I didn't know it good enough. I was making mistakes and that, you know, but it was a real kicker because, um, you traveled all the way out there, right? I traveled all the way out there. Horace had said, you're getting your black belt yeah. to begin with. So I thought, so you, start, you were telling that's people. That's cool. Yeah. Right. So there, I'm going to be, uh. Uh, and then, obviously, as the week, I think the week before, it must have been really when I was there. I was, I was with a guy from um, Washington, Jeremy Lafreniere. He said, this is a, now it's a test. You know it's a test. And he said, he's passed the fail. You didn't know it was I a test. I didn't know it was going to be a test. Like, I thought, okay, even if there's a test, it's still going to be a uh, you know, you've done really hard. You pull that's, some faces. Like, you pull some faces. Sometimes they call it a test, but actually you're going to get it regardless. It's <clears> just yeah. a kind of almost a, a symbolic measure. But and again, this, this is out there. Hoist. <clears throat> it's a vote. 
connected with the 50 black belts no in there. No way. It's a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Wow. So if you've done good, and if not... And is it just, uh, does it have to be unanimous? Is it just the majority? It's got to be, got to be majority. Majority, yeah. <clears throat> so they've done it different a few years, but, you know... Um, so, so Jeremy, I think that year it was kind of a bit of confusion of, well, who's passed, who's not, and everyone that had failed had been told. I think Hoyce had phoned them or just said, you know. So I used to walk up to the gym with Jeremy every every day, and Jeremy said, "I've not been told." He said, "Brother, I think we're good." Yeah. So we went to the belt ceremony that night, and there's a little bit of a spring in my step. Um. We get there and there was a no gi class before the ceremony, so I get my new no gi stuff on. And there's uh, I was about to go on the mat and I see Hoyce, and up until this point, Hoyce hadn't even spoken to me, mm. hadn't even said you know, thanks for making the trip or anything. He said, "John," um, so I thought, "Okay." He took me into the back room and he just said, uh, "The, the tests." He said, "Well, you, you didn't pass. Your self defence wasn't good enough." I said, okay, expecting there'll be a but. Yeah. He said, so we're going to invite you back next year. Wow. So I was like, yeah, I was just going to say, a real kick in the chest. So he he said, you know, what you need to work on and that. And obviously, you know, I'm not really listening now. And at the end of it, he just slapped me on the back. He said, anyway, go train. I was like, not really in the mood for yeah. training. And, and that was it. And um, I'll be honest, if, um, if Jeremy hadn't been, so I knew he'd got the belt. I thought, you know what, I'm just going to split. And um, I hated the Valenti brothers. You know, I wasn't too happy with Hoyce. Um, I, I just wanted to get away from the place. Uh, so anyway, Jeremy got his belt. So I'm still kind of seething. And on the way out, Guy Valenti. And Guy Valenti is a super nice guy. You can't, you know, no one dislikes Guy. He said, hey, man, I'm just going to interview you for the, what do you think of the week? <laughs> I thought, I can't burn me bridges. <laughs> and I just said, uh, yeah, I've had a really great time. Yeah. And, uh, that. So I think that even made the, the edit on the, really? you know. <laughs> so, uh, but now everyone, everyone can go and find that, watch it, and just know what you were actually thinking. Yeah, well, Simon Yo saw it and he go, he laughed. Because yeah. you know, uh, it, it was quite obvious. I yeah. probably wasn't. Uh, so, yeah, so that was it. And, and you went back the year after? Well, I thought, what options have you got? I'm with the Hoist Network, um, so I can either go back next year. And again, you look at a year, that's another year so of my life. It is long. Um, you know, I'm in my 40s then, and you know, do you want to be... Uh, so I thought, or I can join another school. Yeah, I'm sure someone would have me, like an affiliate. Um, I could promote myself. Yeah. That, would, that would go well. What do you, <laughs> Dan, what do you think of that? Ill-advised. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I I thought of all the options and I just thought, well, it's a really great place. I met with some really good people and that. And you know, if I promote myself, obviously that's just going to be that's the end of it, really. You got no, there's Pretty nowhere to go. Yeah. There's nowhere yeah. to go. If I if I join another, then obviously that's disloyal to Hoyce. And yeah. Again, you're pretty much on your own again there. Yeah. And even if I did, no one's going to just going to take you and give you a black belt. For yeah. a year, anyway. Yeah. So it's a no-brainer. Yeah. You 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 stick with it. 
And so I, I practiced the self-defense. I started teaching the way they teach. And, you know, come the next year, you do the test again. You knew what you were expecting. This yeah. Year. Even though psychologically it was worse because now I've got all the pressure of if I fail again, people are going to think you're you're rubbish. Yeah, so I guess the first time you went, you didn't know that you could fail, really. Yeah, yeah. But now you knew that actually there's a a legitimate chance that I could fail this again. Yeah, Yeah. And there's a guy, as we was waiting, an ambulance pulled up and he came out on a stretcher (laughs) after a test. Serious? I was like, "What is going on in there?" I bet they, these are just paid actors. This is. They're this, just trying. Those, those are just mind games. So it turned <laughs> out the guy was um, is a horse guy, and in the in the test he'd slipped. Oh really? And he had broken his leg. Wow. But he was a doctor. So as he's gone down, apparently he said to the he said, "Don't do it." He said, "It's broken." I'm telling you, it's broken. To stick me on a stretcher, get in the ambulance, and there's no. But obviously, I didn't know that when it came yeah. out. It's just like, oh. <laughs> <clears throat> so um, that was it. So the, the test was a, uh, uh, not the same as the mine. They they kind of seen everything I did the year before, which was, you know, just be tough for a year. Uh, and, and that was it. So, so um, did they test you more purely on the self-defence? more the self-defence. Um, so you did a couple of little bits and pieces and that. But um, it was, again, it, it's thorough. And they say that they want the right people, you mm. know, because again, a lot of people from the, the year before they left. They the, got the, a lot of people who didn't from get America, the American guys that didn't that didn't failed the it, test they left. Yeah, yeah. And they got their black belts three months later from some other guy. Really? Well, all of them went to the same place. They went to the same guy. Yeah. Really. <clears throat> so, and you didn't want to be that guy. <clears throat> Not that I could have done it in this country. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, but um. So yeah. No, it's interesting. And then I believe you your you got another belt, right? After your black belt. In uh I'm going through the thing that you sent me. Professor Blue Belt. Yeah, yeah. So what is that? So that is essentially under the old um so IBJF, you get your black belt. I don't know. Do you get the white? Do you get the red bar with the white edges? Um, <clears throat> me personally, or or any? Anyway, what, what's the score? Um, I believe it's something along the lines of the uh, red bar with the white stripes on either end is the head instructor. Right. A red bar is an instructor, and a white bar is a competitor. Right. That's my knowledge. So the way horse runs is you get your black belt with the white bar and that okay. is you're just a black belt. And after that, and there was, there was, there was a bit of confusion really because they was in a bit of a transitionary period of Lenty Brothers. They didn't really want to be part of IBJJF. So they said after that, it would be the red bar okay. that after be three years. So you get the red bar after three years? Yeah. Okay. And then you would then get I think a year after that, you would get the white borders and you'd be a professor. Yeah. So then they changed it to, they'd always gone down this road that Helio Gracie didn't like the colour red. Oh, really? Don't like the colour red. So he never really liked the red belt. He was a red red belt? He's a red belt, grandmaster. But the the red belt, so this might be wrong, but to my understanding... The, you have the ninth and tenth degree. They're both red belts, uh-huh. but the tenth degree is only for 
the Gracie founders the, the the five yeah you know so horian won't wear a, a tenth degree yeah so so hickson's a ninth degree red yeah. belt now but uh it, that's the most he'll ever yeah. be yeah um but didn't so elu didn't like the system that he didn't he didn't like red. the sport when it all changed over i think in 67 so he was okay with the red with with the red belt i think so yeah okay and then when it went the sport and that's where him and carlos had a bit of a sort of a disagreement i believe um, the IBJJF kind of yeah yeah when it was going again rather than fight for the submission people were fighting you know, even they brought to in have, points yeah so um, the Valentes wore the standard belt and then they switched over to what they used to use in the old school which was the navy blue professor belt so there was only white belt and blue belt and instructor navy blue sorry this is this is this is in the early days this of the is back in the academy back in rio back in rio yeah. they had three belts really yeah there white, was, there was white no... black blue yeah there was no was there black i don't think there was black it was white light blue navy blue are you serious yeah yeah do your history man oh shit when did that change 67 when they said we've got to get implement more belts more structure and that's where it started to change white <clears throat> light blue like we wear now yeah, and then yeah. the navy blue navy blue that was your professor's belt wow and so some of the that. old school red belts now who who taught at the academy they were, were navy they navy were navy blue, blue. yeah so that's why then um when helio gracie went back to brazil he didn't like the red belt. That's why he would wear a, any blue I re- belt. I remember he put a, he would put a blue belt back yeah, on. But it was any blue belt. Yeah, you okay. see it like, you know, it's not so particular. So the Valenti brothers, that is what they've chosen for their school now. They wear the dark blue, uh, the navy blue. White, blue, purple, brown, black, navy blue. Well, they still keep the standard system. Blue, purple, brown, black. When you get your black belt, white bar... But now what happens, you will go to a blue bar with the white edges. And that is to them a professor. And then the degrees. Black, black belt, blue bar, white edges. Yeah. Okay. But then after that, it's only the Valentis that wear the actual no rank. Blue just, belt. Yeah. Navy so blue even belt. their students might be a fifth degree. Okay. So they'll have the black belt. Blue bar, white edges with the degree stripes. Okay. If so the, the, if that makes the, sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So the navy blue belt is sort of like the red belt for the for that association. Yeah, kind of but the they're, not, they're not they're just saying, look, this is our school yeah. and this is what we So they, they so the Venice Brothers wear a blue belt. Yeah. And I know Hoist wears as a blue and belt. He wears as well. a blue belt, yeah. So he is very, it sounds like he's really connected with the Valente brothers. They're very close. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't um, agree with everything they do. Yeah. But, you know, they're, they're very close. So. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember the reasons why he put a blue belt on, but you've explained that. That would be part of it. He says in honor. In honor of, of, yeah. of value yeah. and kind of what he did and mm-hmm. the original old school system. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. So now, so you have your black belt with your blue bar on it. Yeah. Okay. And last year I got promoted to first degree, nice. which again, I don't know what the time scales for that is. is it, it, I assume it's different for the IBJJF then. It's a three years, isn't it? Every uh, strike, three, uh, five. Yeah. Or... It's, I believe that, yeah, there's something like that. The IBJJF is three years, three years, three years, then five. Right. Then five, <laughs> then even maybe seven or something like that. Yeah. 
uh, and it just increases. Um, and then you have red and black, then red and white, then red. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That they go, it sounds a bit of a merit system. So I was promoted to professor last, like you before last. So I wasn't expecting. Is it based on time at all? Or is it only based on merit? I think it, it is on what, you know, so there's guys that tested in 2012 and they was promoted last year with me. So they were, they were as a year senior. Okay. But, you know. So there isn't a minimum, to- there isn't a minimum I don't, time. I don't know. I'd have to ask Horace. I'm not going to ask Horace. So yeah. <laughs> to try and find out organically somewhere. Yeah, yeah, you know. But, um, uh, okay. And so you've got your black belt in uh, Tang Sudo. Yeah. Your black belt in Judo through lineup. Yeah. Your black belt in BJJ from Hoist and the yeah. Valentes. And you also did Krav Maga. Uh-huh. So let's kind of move on to that now. Uh, what year did you start doing Krav? 97. So this was... What 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 made you take that up? It was um, again. I'd sit in a magazine as a reality based system. Yeah, I'd only ever done traditional stand up martial art. Yeah, punching and kick, uh, punching. Um, I did a seminar with the main Israeli guy, Al Yanilov. Instantly, just thought we just did a drill of headlocks standing up. I've never been in a headlock and he put it into a drill and straight away you think, well, this is 10 times better than the eight years I've spent. And and, and you remember that Tang Sudo where your guy yeah. got caught in the headlock. Yeah. Here we are doing almost, we're not, he's not going to show us headlock escapes because it's secret. And this Israeli dude comes along and says, right, boom, boom, do this. I think yeah. we're going to make it a drill, guillotines, yeah. headlock, get the back, stuff like that. So I thought I was sold on it on that. He himself, again, like all good instructors, very charismatic, very honest, very open. Um, and then like most things, I wanted to get the system running in the UK. So there's an instructor course available. And I did the instructor course. Um, and it, it went from there. So although I'd done, by then, only one trip to the Gracie Academy. You're a white belt still? Yeah, still a yeah. white belt. Judo green belt. Um, so a good grappler. If you've not done grappling. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so, and I was training at Bob Breen's place as well in Hoxton. Okay, yeah. So I was doing the grappling class there. So You did JKD with Bob? Didn't do JKD. They only had a grappling class that really? I went to. Okay. So that's where I I thought I'm pretty good at grappling, but really only because I'm, I've invested more time sure. than others, not because yeah. I'm a naturally gifted grappler or anything. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it just made sense. Okay, uh, I can do a bit of stand-up and I'll do the instructor course and that would then make sense for me to do a teach it full-time. Not full-time, well, that's the plan. I was out of work, just left the Marines. So that was the plan. And that's really then the years spent doing CRAV, trying to build the school um, to where I am now. So I'm still teaching CRAV, but obviously Jiu-Jitsu is a, um, a, a more... It's it's done better for the business yeah. to, to have that. So I still like it. Yeah. You know. Uh, and where did you, you studied Krav in Israel? I tested for black belt in Israel. So, so they, that, they have a belt system in Krav? Yeah, well? yeah. Really? It's called levels. Yeah. So basically it's levels one to ten. So I was what a class of G3. So I got the highest grade on the instructor course. 
And then I think the following year, AL came over. He tested us for the next level. <clears throat> and then I said, well, if I'm going to get a black belt, how do I get that? He said, well, you need to come to Israel. So that's what I did. So how I long did there. you spend in Israel? Uh, seven days. And what was that? Was that your first time over there? Or? Yeah. So I've only ever been there once. What was your What was that experience like going over and kind of because that's the that's the equivalent of learning yeah. Brazilian Jiu Jitsu in Brazil. You're learning Krav Maga in Israel. It's like they say, you know, sometimes the home the home the source is not as big as what it is elsewhere. Really. So I went to some little rundown. So just a quick funny story. I mean, I stepped off the plane in uh, Israel. So I didn't have a clue where, where to go. Uh, I was just going to get on a, uh, on a train or a bus. And this is 2000, and I think Ariel Sharon, who was the Prime Minister of Israel, had stepped on the Holy Land. So the Palestinians had gone crazy. Mm-hmm. And up until that point, there'd been a peace, uh, yeah. an uneasy peace. So when I flew out there, there was no one on the plane. It was all going south, you know. So when I stepped off, I, I thought, well... It's a bit of a riskier place now. So yeah. certainly when I left and I said to my wife, um, you know, it's all going to be good. And she said, oh, that's, that's fine. Then obviously this kicked off. But the, so, wait, so it literally kicked off was kicking off I was really? prior to me going out. Yeah. So I thought, oh, brilliant. So um, I got off the airport and I didn't know where to go. I thought I'd get a cab. Now there was, um, I'm, I'm kind of stood there with my big bag and I, Guy pulls up in the car and he said, um, do you need a cab? I said, yes. I said, I need to get to Netanya. He said, yeah, I can do that. It's like 40 minutes. I said, well, how much is it going to be? He said, well, to be honest with you, I'm not a cabbie. As in, I'm not paying to, I shouldn't really be here. Yeah. He said, so I can do it. I can do it at like $30. Yeah. But you're going to have to get in the back of the car. It's blacked out. I'll put you under a, no way. Under a rug. And we'll get out, once we get out of the airport, <laughs> you're all good. I thought, well, I've got no money. I thought, well, yeah, $30, that'll do. Oh, my God. So I've got in the car. He's covered me over. And we're driving. I'm thinking, this is a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, if this is like the easiest kidnapping, um, yeah. I think John McCarthy, one of the hostages, had not long been released after re- five years oh being God. chained to a radiator. But at least he got kidnapped at gunpoint. Yeah. I've just stepped in a cab. <laughs> or not a cab. You know, yeah. He, he, wasn't, he, he was open about it as well. He, he just said, yeah. He, goes, he, you know. even, he said he wasn't a cab. Yeah. So <laughs> I've just gone, yeah, all right, mate. I've saved, I've saved $30 or whatever. And then so I'm thinking, oh, you idiot. What are you doing? Like, And then I'm yeah. thinking, of all right, I'm going to garrote him from the back seat or something. Then, he's, then he's, uh, he said, no, you're all good, mate. Get up. So uh, that was it. Yes, yeah, so I got to Natanya. And um, just again, same, same thing. You like train all week under the. The centre in Natanya is like a again, it's like a half-built Spanish hotel. Mm. It's just all sawdust and very, very primitive. Again, it's two thousand. You know, it's all concrete pillars. Um, to spend a week training, and again, you know, the, what, what did we do? Hard training, you know, focus. Pad work, bit, there's a sparring class where you do, say, full contact sparring with, with, with big gloves and you're not going mad, but you, at least you're doing something, uh, you know, knife drills. It, it, there's nothing you would look at it and go, oh, that's, you know, that's, that's rubbish or that's yeah. dojo. It's just hard training. So I didn't realize. So I, I swung by 
to watch the kids' class. When they see how the kids, they run the kids' class. So I'm sat there, um, and the parents are there, a small group of women, and the kids are doing really what your class is, a standard kids' class. They're punching and kicking and uh, getting that headlock and stuff. A few games, all fun, great. And um, so Gabby, um, he, he says, right, get your gloves on. They all run away, come back with like big 14 ounce gloves. So I'm, I'm expect, I'm, you know, clock watching a bit. I thought it's just going to be a bit of point, point sparring or whatever. And they just battered the crap out of each other. Really? And I watched this little blonde girl, little pretty thing she was. Could have only been about seven or eight. And she was with a bigger lad. And so she's proper laying into him. And he's just hit her with a right hook, flattened her. She's gone down. And you know, like you're out of your seat, thinking, oh. And I, I looked at the mother, and she just looked at her, said nothing, waited for her to get up, and then carried on chatting with her parents. Wow. Like, I thought, this is a different breed. Yeah. A different breed. I said, you could not do a class like this in the UK. It's very you know? tough out there. Just, it's bred, no. it's bred into them, you know? yeah. Obviously, yeah. with the um, with the with the national service, everyone has that mentality. Mm-hmm. They're very, very pro military out there, you know. And obviously, there's a lot of controversy with the Israeli military and stuff like that and whatever. But they are just tough. They are I, tough as hell out there. They're super tough. And again, whatever, I would not make any political. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going down that rabbit hole either. No, but I mean, but, but they would again. And Al was very honest. You know, he said, "Look, if a Palestinian wanted to come and learn Krav Maga, I'll teach him. If he's a, if he's a good guy, that yeah. that is it. If you're good, great. If not, but I remember going through the town square, and there was a bus there, and they parked the bus, and it was riddled with bullet holes. And they said it had been attacked by the PLO or, or whatever or, yeah. or Hamas. And again, it's a school bus. Now I don't know if wow. it, if it obviously it it had happened." But does that simmer the tensions? Of course not. You're sticking, you yeah. know, that's and you kind of like, I know it's easy to, uh, come on guys, let's just get on a little bit better. But yeah. there's, there was no quarter given really, you know, um, and that was, so I was in a hostel and there's a, uh, some, with some Jewish uh, Americans on a, they do that sort of out of college and that. Yeah. And we were sat on the balcony just watching the uh, Israeli gunships just vittling this, uh, really? this position. They had the Cobra gunships. I mean, they're a pretty serious piece of kit. Oh, yeah, they've got they've got some of the most high-tech, yeah. state-of-the-art so stuff watching available, it, yeah. Just watching it, and that was not too far from wow. us, you know. So, um, so that was my week in Israel. So a really enjoyable week. And again, you know, you train at the source, and you, you, know, you see how things should be done. And if, if that's not what people see nowadays... I can only assure you that that's what I try and do in my school. Yeah. Um, and and that, that's it, really. So kind of, you know, my uh, understanding of the history of Krav is not particularly in-depth. Who was the person who kind of started it? How old is it? You know, what, what what's the it's, deal it's, with... It's from the, the 40s. There's yeah. a guy called Imi Lichtenfeld who was just a... I think he, he was part of Hamas. Really? Yeah, he was... Um, I, I, I might have to... Really, that he was certainly fighting against the English, sure, because we was occupying that um, part of the world. Yeah, we was occupying Palestine. Yeah, um, so yeah, he was then head of the Israeli military in the fifties. Sure. Um, so he created Krav Maga. He was a wrestler and a boxer. Yeah, 
and he put together a very simple system with wrestling and boxing. Um, he then developed some gun and knife stuff, and it was really that was it. He had no vision to sell it. It was just it was um, just for the military. Yeah, and and that's really so what happened. And it it it, it grew a bit more acceptance. Then I think he started teaching to civilians when he was in his 50s, late 50s. And again, not really for money. There was no money in it. Yeah. Um, and then I think in the 80s, a guy called Darren Levine came over, a Jewish guy, did the instructor course. They were starting to put t- together courses. He took that back to America. And that's where it blew up. It blew up there. Because it does. It's got, it, it, it is huge, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It is massive, you know, because it just has that. You know, this is the Israeli fighting yeah, army it's, fighting. Yeah, it's sold well. Yeah, yeah. it has. Um, but then with that, how much of the, and you kind of briefly mentioned it earlier, that McDojo or watering down of the system, how much has that happened? Well, in the um, LA, I went to the LA centre. So they would have classes of maybe 30, so 30 a class from six Six or seven, seven to eight, 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 eight till nine. You'd have at least thirty people in each class. Wow! Three rooms, one big room, a smaller room, and a little back room. Wow! Um, but the main room would have thirty people in it. So that is like each night of the week. But if you looked at what they're doing, it's kind of like aerobics, lots of pad work, and yeah. Is it, are they just selling the name? Well, there's guys with headbands on. I mean, this was ninety ninety seven sort of yeah. thing. But I did the fighting class. There's six of us in there. So again, if you wanted to do the the heavy stuff, it wasn't a big sell. Sure. Um, I trained with Oleg Taktarov. Oh yeah, out there. That's a scary dude. He's the funniest guy. Really? So he's a big guy. I mean, he's head. Is, was is, it was it the bear or Russian bear or something? Yeah, is yeah. He Russian is Russian, wasn't Russian, it? proper yeah. Russian. Yeah. So I did. He's his the class. guy that uh, Henzo upkicked. Yeah, yeah. He's like I mean, really, really fake, but he was a bad, bad man. He like instructable. You know, he would yeah. just take a beat in and yeah. not really even, yeah, you know, just sort of, uh, brush it off. Mm. But um, in terms of his teaching, was was was. Um, he was the instructor. He or? was teaching one night, so okay. he'd do like Oleg's ultimate fight. Okay, was he was he training Crab or? Well, he said he did, but obviously yeah. he wasn't. That was um, <laughs> he was just run a class there. Sure. So you had Bus Rutan teaching his system. No way. Uh, and there's a guy called again a very famous jiu-jitsu guy. I'm trying to think of his name now. He appears in that that program role. Um, it'll come to me. So he was a brown belt, a Horian brown belt. So again, just no one was a brown belt back in '97. Yeah, and um, yeah. Bass, Oleg were doing their different classes and Crav. So, uh, yeah, Oleg would do a, he was doing like past the guard. And he would say, so I have this guy in my guard, we posture. You think that he's a woman in your guard and you're magnificent. And you <laughs> puff out your chest. And everything was like, you know, and actually as a teaching, it's quite a good yeah. kind of like, you know, um, so he was just, it got worse from there. Really inc- like politically incorrect, but really funny, really funny. So that's, again, it's just a brutal class. You yeah. did a bit of grappling. And then you just do like bulldog, but just mash each other up. Was, <laughs> I don't even know if he was watching. But um, yeah, so that was... Um, did, you ever, did you ever go to one of Bass's classes? No, he was oh. on Thursday, I think. So again, yeah. I was training. I was only there... 
I think that's like an early early class I managed to get to. Yeah. Um, in LA, in LA, yeah, yeah. and then obviously I did the evening class at uh, Jitsu Academy. Okay, so yeah, that was um, that was fun, but um, yeah, the Americans it was slightly more of the aerobic kind of side of things. Because is there like a still a governing body for Crav in worldwide, it's, or it's not anymore? But it's back just, then yeah. it was the International Krav Maga Federation and America. American uh, Krav Maga worldwide. That's pretty much it. And they were connected or not? They were pretty connected. But yeah. I went out there and you could see the cracks forming. So sure. AL wouldn't really have much to do with Darren. Darren was growing the business the way he saw fit. And you probably thought it's not going to stay like this for too much longer. Yeah. Um, I think there's another body in Israel, um, but that was a smaller group but now there's there's hundreds of them you know, you know. yeah you can just i guess you can pick up qualifications to teach crab from anywhere nowadays well you just do a weekend instructor course wow you know? um, so the kmg now so the main body say in the uk is a good organization yeah they, all right it's an instructor course but i know the instructors that run it they do regular training, they get Israelis over, so they, they do the best that is possible to do. So it's really down to the individual how much you want to sort of train. If you don't want to train, then you're not going to be a good crab guy instructor. Yeah. But there's enough training there on offer. Um, so, but if people have had a bad experience, then you might say, well, who are they affiliated with? And do they train? Do they do anything? And quite often that's a negative when you yeah. hear it. I went to the class guy was rubbish didn't want to spar so that's you know so when you teach your crab is, is, is your crab stuff it's still a lot of sparring i spar every class really? so we just do do you do full contact sort of, yeah how, how do you even train that sort of stuff sparring wise 14 ounce gloves yeah and go nice head headgear and no headgear really no headgear if yeah so um, i heard of terry barnett rings a bell so super super jeet kundo guy Full instructor under Daniel Santo. So I've known him for a number of years now. So, you know, he, he just showed a drill this couple of years back. He said, put the gloves on. You just don't hit hard. So mm. you can still bob and weave and sure. cut. It's down to you. If you've got good, same with grappling, if you can yeah. control, you don't need to smash the guy. You don't rip the arm locks on. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to regulate at times. But if you're sensible, we can spar with, Sensible contact, enough for you to know you've been hit without me knocking your teeth out. Yeah. And it's a, 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 a nice... So I will do that after every class. So we'll do all the kind of the drills, maybe some focus mitt work. And then you just do that. Just line up, you face your partner, gloves on, put a mouthpiece in if you want, and we spar nice. Nice. Uh, moving away from crab a little bit, um, teaching jiu-jitsu to... Uh, FBI hostage rescue team. Yeah, sounds cool, doesn't it? Sounds fucking badass. <laughs> Talk me through it. So I've I've tried for years to get into teaching special specialist troops and that, and it's it's a very closed world. And you need to you know, know, you need to know some people that better get in there. You basically need to know someone in there, and even yeah. if you know them, it's whether or not their boss wants you in. Sure. Okay. So unless the boss wants you in, you're normally doing it through a third party. Sure. So I was particularly lucky. One of my um, students is on one of the very high level um, police firearms teams. He's part of the anti-terrorist teams. He's, he's in there and he knows the right people. 
So pure luck. But I knew him from the, the Marines. Sure. So that's how I got to know each other. So he now trains with me. And um, he just said we got a training day. And we got some guys from the FBI, hostage HRT, coming down. And they do jiu-jitsu in um, uh, Washington. Uh-huh. They want to they do some stuff. Do you want to come down and show them some cool bits? And that's what happened. So I went down to uh, – so they, they, they're, they're, they're a training team. So they're just teaching all their firearm stuff. Getting out of cars, getting in cars, shooting from in cars. It's a proper cool day. It's all yeah. live ammo. Um, wow. It is like watching the professionals, you know. Um, and then they stopped. They said, can we go do some jiu-jitsu? So I did some of the self-defense type jiu-jitsu on the ground. So the two guys, there was a guy from the UK team, big, big 18 stoner, but not grappled. Yeah. <clears throat> These two guys, so one was a proper sport guy. So he's a big guy, six six foot, really athletic and that. And he, he said he, he's training four times a week. And So yeah, the two blue belts training with the guy, Leo Dala, I think that's who he's uh, affiliated with. So we did some self-defense jiu-jitsu, which they thought was okay. Um, and then obviously they said, well, I just want to roll. So there I am, I'm rolling around with the... Uh, FBI, and that was that was good. That was good, but again, sort of blue belt good. Mm. But I really enjoyed the day and that. So I made some good contacts there. But one of the guys that was, um, I mean, you know, again, you just kind of, again, you can fold up a big guy and it looks good, doesn't it? Yeah. You know. So um, his boss was there. So again, it looks good for a future. Okay. So this, again, what you a lot of people don't realise that if you've not seen jiu-jitsu work. On a big guy, it's all hearsay, isn't it? It's mind blowing when you see it, and when you see it, and um, it's quite impressive. So if you're the boss, yeah. So straight away, he's, okay. So again, they kind of see it like, well, he knows what he's doing, yeah. But you're not selling. I'm not selling me. I'm saying it's it's the art, you know. And anyone can learn this, yeah. So um, that that was my um, yeah. So they give me a hat. You get like a little FBI coin. No way. So I'm telling people I'm a sworn in officer <laughs> and that. Honorary FBI. But again, it's all on Facebook. There's like, man, you we don't, your, you we get don't your care. F- get your FBI coin and stick it in like a wallet with yeah. your ID in it and just flash it if anyone gives you any That'd trouble. I'll be on my belt. Like <laughs> Mel Gibson. You know, you just raise your shirt. Yeah. And there it is. That's so cool. yeah, um, I've done that. But I've talked, um, we went back, we talked back in 2005, we went back to Limpston which is the commando training centre, again, to teach, uh, looking for a contract. That didn't, that didn't happen. Um, it's so important that, these, that, that anyone who kind of has any threat of one-on-one on, 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 on combat in any way, it's so important <laughs> that they know grappling in some, yeah, some sense. You absolutely. Know, like police uh, and military, it's so important. It really is. Well, if, if you've got time, I've got a great story of where, you know, Let's do so it. I used to share a room with this guy. If, if we just call him Bob, so he's a mixed race guy from Reading. Um, I think he was a bit of a petty criminal, a bit of stolen goods, um, but a very fit, athletic guy. Knew that life would not end well if he carried on that path. So he um, joined the Marines. So he was about twenty-two, about a year older than me. But you could tell he's one of them guys. He's just a little bit sharper, just a little bit pick things up much quicker bit of a brawler um 
so he was in our troop um, and we was on ship once. I taught him how to punch. So I wasn't like a world champion boxer, but I was just hooking and that and he oh, I really enjoyed it. So we did some boxing. I thought if I've taught him nothing, anything, I just taught him a little bit of punching skills, perhaps. So anyway, uh, as I was leaving the Marines, it's 97, he uh, went on to do selection, SAS. Pass selection. That's very rare to pass yeah. on the first that he did. That's a mad, that is a mad <clears> test. <throat> yeah, I know that. But he had done well. So I've not really had any contact with him. So my guy that, that, that knows him, Said that, um, right, he went SF. He had been involved in every major operation really since 2003. If you imagine, the world has gone mad since then. Wow. He's got like a chest of medals that you can imagine. He got the military cross in 2009. So he got that. So I think it was in the Daily Mail. There was a team of SAS in like some little rock and they run out of ammo, and the Taliban tried to overrun the position. So it's proper hand-to-hand. So there was, like, shovels and bayonets. Holy and Basically shit. banging whoever come in. Really? There's nine of them, and apparently he was one of them guys. So they survived. They all survived, and they, they took some names. Okay? Holy shit. So I reckon a few of my right hands <laughs> was definitely attributed to me. So that's mad. That is crazy, though, isn't so it? So imagine that's a that's a story. So anyway, run out of ammo, and and then out. and the, and the Taliban are, are literally just trying to with ammo. They've got guns, and they're there. breaching. Yeah, yeah. That's just some straight up John Wick shit, isn't so it? So you, you can imagine you're adren- right. We're dead anyway. So let's, oh just, my God. let's just give it to them. Whatever we can do. So um, again, I, I'm hoping at some point I'll get to um, see him again. Yeah. So anyway, that's 2009. And um, so then I think he became Squadron Sergeant Major. So that's a big, yeah, big cheese. But now he's looking, because he's coming to the end of service, he would then be a commission. Yeah. Captain. So by the time you finish your service, you would normally be promoted to the next rank, which would be a major. Yeah. So he's gone from low-level low crim. He could leave... The special forces as an SAS major. Wow. Now that's a that's some path. journey, isn't it? Yeah. But I could still tap him out. <laughs> <laughs> and I could bang him over. <laughs> but um no, it just, just wow, incredible. That's great. That is it, it just yeah, I've got so much respect for anyone who serves in that. You know, I've been lucky enough to do um you know, there's there's a lot of BJJ in that yeah. you know, it's a it's a recognised sport uh-huh. now, I know for the um for for all the, the RAF and the Navy and, and, and the Army as well. Um, and I've been lucky enough to go and train some of those guys and do some seminars for those guys. Uh, but yeah, that's some mad shit that some of them have to do. But you might, you, you think how valuable that jiu-jitsu is in some of those situations. You would have done something there, wouldn't you? You yeah. would, you know, again, and that, that, again, a little bit self defensive but again, if someone's run over the position, they're not going to be doing flying heel hooks. It's yeah. just going to be trying to grab you out or stab you, you know. And again, you're going to revert to your primal instinct and any good training you've had. Well, that's <clears throat> if it's going to, if you're going to try it out, you're mm. going to try it out then, aren't mm. you? So, um, so yeah, that was, um, yeah, wherever we was with that, um, that, that long story. I but need to um, anyway, yeah. yeah, just teaching 
elite guys yeah. and, and really just spending time in their companies is always good and um yeah I'm, I'm hoping to do more of that in the future awesome <clears throat> awesome man well um i've covered everything on on, on my list that i had for you uh, i don't know if you've covered everything that that you had on your list it just scratches the surface dan <laughs> days days of it no i mean we've talked long haven't we um no, just oh, you know, just um, yeah, just just um, yeah, just just you know, train with good people. So one one of the really good people that probably no one knows exists. I trained with a guy called Paul Cudmore. Yeah, who um, he, he's really sort of helped me with the stand up side of things. He's a JKD guy, very friendly with Terry Barnett and that. So my sort of training. All the training I've tried to do over the years has just been with good people. So obviously with Mark, with the jiu-jitsu, my judo club and that. In Crad, it's been difficult because there was no one really teaching at a level. In the UK. So someone like Paul Woods, again, very, very skillful um, stand-up and that. And then Terry Barnett, he comes to my academy once a year, does his um, stand-up and and that. So, um, yeah, you know, sort of, um, yeah. Thanks to those sorts of guys, um, yeah, that's it. I just, plot, I just, just plod on. Really, just do do what I do. And awesome, man. And kind of talking of your academy, uh, what what is the academy? I'll put links to everything in the in the, uh, the end John John Hegan Academy. So okay. If you want Crab Maga, I teach Crab Maga. If you want the self defense system of jiu jitsu, and, and you have you have guys that train at your academy doing sport grappling competitions they've entered yeah, yeah they've entered sport competitions and that and they've done done okay yeah. you know there's um you know it's not a huge uh, at blue belt level yeah. maybe purple if you've got some good fundamentals you should be okay yeah obviously if a guy's a heel hook guy it's not something i really sort of spend much sure. time so um yeah but so i wouldn't say i i teach sport but if you want to do jiu-jitsu the way I teach it, then yeah. by all means come down and see what we do. Awesome, man. Well, we have done three hours, 10. Wow. That's a long time. <laughs> it goes fast, doesn't it? Uh, I just want to say like incredible story, thank just you. literally covered everything there. And, um, <clears throat> I really, really enjoyed that. And I want to thank you for coming and sharing right, your story. Uh, yeah. Uh, thank you, Dan. Obviously you're doing an amazing job here. And I think the, the positive vibe you send out, just by giving people like us the opportunity is yeah. uh, very commendable. So I yeah, know oh, I appreciate that, mate. Thank you, thank you very, very much. much. And uh, yeah, thanks again. Really appreciate it. Okay, guys, that is it. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you want uh, more information on John, then you can check out his website, which is kravmagarcombat.com. Uh, that has his Krav stuff and also has all of his jiu-jitsu stuff as well. This kravmagarcombat.com. Uh, if you want to contact the podcast or myself, you can message me on uh, Instagram or Twitter. The handle for both of those is raspberry underscore ape. Obviously, you should know that because you should be following me already. Uh, you can also message me on Facebook or you can send me an email to uh, podcast at raspberryape.com. Uh, if you want to inquire or anything about a seminar or anything like that, then email me at dan at Um And yeah, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Stitcher, SoundCloud or on iTunes. If you're on iTunes, go ahead and leave a goddamn review. Um, only if it's good, though. Uh, and that's it. I'll catch you guys next time. Have a good one.